You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. Hello everybody, welcome to Phoenix 92.5 FM. It is Tuesday, which means you're listening to the Wrestling Rewind. My name is Daryl Connor, and uh, we have a very special show this week. But before we introduce our guest, we, he's on the line. You know him, you love him. One and all, Mr. Undefeated, Martin Herty. How are things, Martin? Punk still hasn't, still hasn't accepted your challenge. What's going he's, on? He's run off the collision. He, he could have come down one-on-one, the town square and cross McGlen. It was all set up and he's run off the collision, you know. You're, um, but I'm, I'm not feeling particularly undefeated at the moment. I had my first uh, jiu-jitsu class back in about a year literally first class back and i've managed to screw up my neck so well then it's fair now you just need somebody to bite your opponents allegedly and you're okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're good i i still think you know you should issue the challenge maybe get you know free seats over in collision it works it works hey if nothing else yeah jump the rail <laughs> but it's not yourself and myself. Uh, Dave is still off in the void, Martin. We don't know where Dave is. You know, hopefully he's he's off in the in the odyssey of uh, glass and light tubes, watching his death these, matches with a small child. These um, children, they they fairly ruined the crack. I'm telling you, it's uh, his daughter's gonna be bloodthirsty, man. Like legitimately, like she's gonna be raised on death matches. So anyway, so we're not alone this week. We are joined by uh, two very special special guests, uh, Colin, aka Macho Max. And Christian yeah. from <laughs> Cell Games. Lads, welcome to the show. Thank you very, very much for having yeah. us. We're really excited to be here. So if you guys aren't familiar with Cell Games, you should be. Uh, they're a fantastic Irish band. Uh, Metal to the Masses finalists. Lads, well done. It, it, Thank it's you very some, much. It's some debut that you, you've actually had onto the scene. So, uh, you know. It caught me off guard initially because I wasn't at your heats initially. And then uh, Angel from Cosmo Palace was like, they make music from SmackDown versus Raw. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's exactly what it is. So, uh, lads, yeah, tell us about the band and uh, where we can listen and all that good stuff. Uh, I suppose you can listen on Spotify. You just took up Cell Games. Um, we're on all the socials. We're on the socials now as cellgames.mp3. Uh because we lost control of the old Instagram and that's gone forever. So we're trying to rebuild that. So it's very important that everyone goes follow at cellgames.mp3. Um, but then it's even more important to go stream on Spotify, just regular old cell games. 
Absolutely. And if you wake your old cell games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not called that, it's just called cell games, just so that, you know, you're not confused. Absolutely. People. I am thinking but, though, we we may have an album called Raised by Death Matches. I'm, I'm, I'm jotting oh, that one down. Isn't that oh, a great you album name? You can have that one. You can have that one. Darren, not... um, I wouldn't like to like kick this off on the wrong foot by insulting our guests, but I have to say I, I kind of have a bone to pick with them. Ooh. For oh. four days now, Here's to Your Bones has been doing a loop in my head. <laughs> four days now. <laughs> They're catty Only four. little tunes. They're catty <laughs> little tunes, and that's the thing. I already listened to it four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we can ask. In, in that case, that's all we can ask. So lads, so lads, the style of music that you play, it, it's it's so incredibly unique. I mean, it, it literally sounds like it's from 15 years ago in the best possible way. What was like the influence and, and how did you get started? Like, how did that conversation come up? Because I know playing black metal, that was a conversation. So how did, how did your conversation come up and how did you guys get together? I, um, I, I thought myself and Tristan uh, essentially bonded uh, the the our wrestling connection came first, I think, because uh, Tristan uh, called himself on something Edge and Tristan, and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> and that's 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 the start of a beautiful friendship right there. <laughs> I think so. I think musically, the first thing we did was I went to like one of your gigs and we were doing something else, like maybe nearly ten years ago. Uh, and I was pissed drunk and I had this like idea where I was going to be playing Blood Trigger Sex Magic all the way through. Um, but I had like no members <laughs> or like, I had I kind of had members. I don't know if the is like, you, hello, yes, I don't know your name, but you're you're Manson Nikitas now. And you're like, yeah, sure, grand, okay. And then there was <laughs> no discussion of Anton for like three years. Um, but then we actually did music four or five years after that it was 2018 anyway um one of my other high concept things was i wanted to do a gig where we played hybrid theory all the way through on chester Bennington's anniversary and we actually pulled that one off and was after the first year or after the second year where i was like messaging you and just being like here what if we did like what if we did more new metal but not this like what if we do this but better <laughs> <laughs> yeah like new metal gets a really bad a bad reputation and i i don't think it's justified really because i mean we're all of the same age where we were raised on it and uh, the, i don't know if you guys are a big fan of uh edema the bands that were around for like a second you know they, they did the mortal Kombat song you're shaking your head uh, like you know Love absolute banger of a tune yeah right? so yeah no, i i I think it's great. Go on, sorry. Well, I was going to say, all of those one and done ones, like Trust Company and Taproot, and you know, they, yeah, they yeah, were kind yeah, of, yeah, they yeah. were around with a few banger tunes and then they kind of just blended into the background. <laughs> 36 Crazy Fist as well, yes. another one, where it's just like, oh, they had this oh. tune and gone. <laughs> have they not uh, come back since? They probably have, but you only know the one tune that they had back in do, 2005. Do you, know, do you know who I bloody loved? Um, I saw them open for Papa Roach and they dropped one great album and I've never heard of them again. Uh, Hell is for Heroes. Yes, they were yeah. absolutely brilliant. That first, I remember they were playing in front of like a, a spiral. Your man had a big long jumper with big long sleeves. That was an absolute banger of a tune. <laughs> yeah, that, the, the, what is it called? The, the neon handshake. Was, I remember yeah, the album. Brilliant, brilliant, really good. But yeah, like, so when you're 
again, like there is, I'm not overselling it. There, there literally is no other new metal band in the Irish scene at the moment, and that kind of speaks volumes to the fact that it's so. Well, I know there's been a few that's kind of flirted with it, but you guys are like, it's a straight time travel back. And it's class <laughs> because you're like, there's literally like nothing drives nothing drives me more. And this isn't a jab at anybody, but this nothing drives me more when they go see a band playing it's lads and t-shirts. I'm like, what <laughs> is going on? I want a show. <laughs> you know, if I have to wear paint and have a shower, or paint is falling down after I come back. I expect the same. And you guys deliver. <laughs> yeah, you guys deliver in spades. It's class. And I mean, Colin, I, I feel bad for you because the first time I interacted with you, I was shouting abuse, locked at you because you started like showing Cody Rhodes stuff, and I'm like, "Hey, Cody Rhodes, listen." <laughs> so, <laughs> we're, not, we're talking about starting this on a bad, off on a bad nose. What's well, going to happen anyway? You're dear to my heart. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You can be wrong, that, but that's, that's okay. Half the podcast is Dara explaining in great detail how much he hates Cody Rhodes. <laughs> and, and the other half, weirdly, is him explaining how much he loves Stardust. Really? That's oh, true. That's interesting because I also love Stardust. So where did the, where did the split happen here? So, <laughs> see, I love Stardust. Dashing Cody Rhodes was incredible. Mm. Uh, and what was the other one? Damaged Cody Rhodes. He was also Damaged class. Damaged Cody Rhodes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that and was all amazing. Little Tash Cody Rhodes as well was also great. <laughs> but that was also <laughs> great. Tash. Little Tash Cody, uh, Cody Rhodes. I'll tell you where the problem became. Cody uh, Chaplin. <laughs> where the problem happened was there was a show where Cody decided to put a throne up and then break the throne. Oh. Uh, uh, and and that's when it happened because what, what Martin kind of farted. No, what Martin didn't tell you was Triple H is the greatest wrestler of all time. Oh, absolutely. You're you're damn right Martin didn't tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like, cannot be be forgiven, so. (laughs) Well, they're getting on great now. While we're on that subject, lads, who would would your favourite wrestlers be? That's true. Good question, actually. God, uh, Tristan, what do you, you? You look like you've you've something you're itching to itching it, to get out. Do you? <laughs> it was Kane back when I got into it. Kane was like my guy. Oh uh, well, he's on the show. He's just not Kane. He's just not Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. He's, he's he's not so much my guy now. Um. It's all gone a bit weird. Oh but, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's very hard to have favorites because uh, all these guys let you down. You know, <laughs> that's true. That was, and is it is it Kane the character, or are you just like a big Glenn Jacobs guy? That's a that's a that's a fair uh, that's a first place. That yeah. is is that uh, behind you? Is that a Doctor Isaac Yankum poster behind you? I'd <laughs> <laughs> be so niche. I'd be so into that. No, no, it's just Kane. But like, or fake I'm, Diesel. Very narrow Diesel. Kane as well. You wish sir? Kane, just like a very narrow period of Kane was the best. So, so which period was it? Was it before it was it before he had the sleeves and no sleeves? Uh, no sleeves, single cane. Ah, single cane. Yeah. I tell you oh, so not like debut tearing the cell door off the cell cane. I kind of missed that by like a year or two. So oh, right. by the time I got into it, he was already like black gear, single cane. But see, that that's probably. I think you're right there, Tristan, because we've watched a couple of matches with Kane, and he gets more athletic. As he kind of goes on and then settles into having these banger cage matches where he's jumping off the top doing clotheslines and everything. So I mean, that's a that's not a bad show. That's not a bad show. It it does go down from there. Then he takes the mask off and 
babies get kicked and yeah. <laughs> and, and Snitsky didn't do it. And Snitsky didn't do it. <laughs> what about um, you, uh, Colin? Will. Uh, yeah, I'm a Macho Man Randy Savage guy. I absolutely love Macho Man. I'm, I'm, my uh, kind of area of music of of uh, wrestling is 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 87 to 97 is my to be my my mastermind years. I love um, golden years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started off loving basically kind of WrestleMania three on video. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and I just love that. Uh, just the whole entrance and the that match was just incredible. Like for for watching it at the time, but then one, one of the very few matches from maybe the first five WrestleManias that still holds up. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. But the the funny thing about that is it's such a short match as well. You know, it's 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 maybe eleven minutes. It's it, it's very it's short, like compared to you know. It, well, it's long for anything else in that card. Put 35 matches on and they're all four minutes long. Here comes Hercules. <laughs> but you know, it's it just like um, the very interesting style of wrestling because at that back at that in the day, we were just getting videos of Hulk Hogan in cage matches. You know, remember mm. the uh, stuff like that? And I remember for years, I thought that the next time I kind of interacted with wrestling was WrestleMania 5, but it wasn't. When me and Tristan recently talked about this, it was. Uh, Saturday night's main event where Macho Man Randy, Macho King Randy Savage was against uh, Buster, uh, against Hulk Hogan with Buster Douglas as the special guest referee. And I remember watching that in me, uh, the old pair's pub that they used to own in Athlone. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was on, you know, on the, on the old like uh, uh, Sky Sports, or I think it was Sky Movies Plus. Like, that's how old I am. But, well, it wasn't uh, even box office, so it was like. It wasn't, yeah, but Sky, Sky, Sky Movies Plus, I think, was the name of it. It was Sky Movies with various football matches and oh, the wow. wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So there was that. And then WCW started on uh, on ITV, and we kind of just went yeah. into the era of watching Worldwide for three or four years until we got Sky back again. <laughs> it, isn't it mad like that? Like, the, you, WCW had such a big following here, despite the fact how weird it actually was because i when i was when i was watching wcw as a kid it was on bravo yeah and you'd be you'd be switching between and nitro and raw were on around the same time on a friday night like you know so you'd be flicking between nitro and raw during the monday night wars for some reason on a friday night in the uk on a friday night yeah which was weird well, it was gas because when uh, I think it was on, uh, wasn't it TCM, Turner Classic Movies? Yeah. And Turner Classic Movies would show the latest, um, the latest Nitro. at this, And you'd watch the first hour of that. Then you'd watch two hours of Raw. And then you'd watch, uh, you'd watch Thunder or a really old episode of Nitro. Every so often they'd just throw on a really old episode of Nitro. Like that mm. wouldn't have been been shown. So you'd see like all of the weird dungeons of Dungeon of Doom crap and uh, I remember watching one night, um God, it was absolutely fantastic. We taped on a on a video. It was uh, me, Gene, Oakland was uh, interviewing Macho Man Randy Savage. he was like, WCW President Doug Dillinger has Ordered you to get psychiatric treatment. And Macho Man was like, yeah, I went to see a woman psychiatrist. And she said I was OCD. <laughs> That's right. One cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> and you can catch all of these on video because you'd be flicking between the channels. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so you have this mishmash of like 
three different wrestling shows on the one night on a video. <laughs> you can you can fairly tell the lads who grew up with the, um, some version of Sky TV. Mm. I grew I grew up on a farm in South Armagh, so my wrestling like for the whole first I don't know eighteen years of my life was all from VHS tapes that I got from the library across McGlen. Really? So then uh, WCW came on. Oh, yeah, was it ITV? It came on at one ITV. stage. Yeah. And I was watching it and I was a young fellow watching it and Hulk Hogan was there and I definitely recognized Hulk Hogan, but I had no idea what the goddamn hell WCW was. Like it was, I don't even like the tapes in, in the library were only ever WWF, but I was a huge Bret Hart fan anyway. And I went to university and it had moved from DVDs to VH, from VHS to DVDs at this stage. And someone said, Oh, I have a Bret Hart DVD you can have. I said, Oh, brilliant. And they gave me Wrestling with Shadows. Ooh. And that was when I learned about the screw job. I, I didn't <laughs> even know what had happened. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just appalled. Here's one for you. Do you remember back in the day when you could, on the, on the, the portable TVs that you would tune in, you would actually be able to watch scrambled Sky Sports. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think it's a credit to, to Jim to Jim Ross and the King because you could actually just not watch it, have it on in the background, and know what was going on. Absolutely. And that was also how a lot of early wrestling was done for me as well as a kid. Because you didn't have Sky in all the rooms; you had it in one room, so you had to make do. Well, didn't they even dabble with the WWF radio at one stage? They did. They did. That's what, and then you have live wire as well. And he had live wire as well, which was kind of like a move away from that. And on this show, I didn't realize they had this all the way back in 1996. They had a phone line where they were cutting promos through a phone, which is hilarious. I mean, sorry for jumping ahead, but that's like when I saw that, I was like, that's the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. But uh, yeah. Jim so Ross absolutely living his life on that phone line. Oh, man. <laughs> living his best life. <laughs> oh, God, it was great. You know, it, it's funny because like wrestling now is so different than it was like being a fan because like obviously the internet wasn't a thing in Ireland. Mm. Like, well, it was, but it wasn't. Like, it was dialed up. And then it wasn't until like 2005. So we were talking about Cyber Sunday and Taboo Tuesday and you couldn't vote on those because you didn't have the internet. It wasn't until like 2006, 2007, you could actually like vote on it. And then it was. You, you had to, okay. uh, didn't you have to figure out a way to get around your school's uh, blocker to get onto the <laughs> website and vote on it? Oh yeah, that was, so that was no problem. Like, that was, <laughs> even back then, that was no problem. But, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's where we are, lads. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show and let's get into the pick that you actually went for which was um, a weird one I'm not going to lie to you it was a weird one it, it was In Your House 1996 Buried Alive so this is so, so, some ba- so some background on the show this is the very first Buried Alive pay-per-view the very first Buried Alive match the very first non-sanctioned match which was a weird a weird way to put it um and it's a, it's a nice tight show. It's only like two hours. So that was that was cool. Um, and yeah, so this is from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, October 1996. And the tagline is, Dead Man's Paradise, Dead or Alive, Dead Darkness and Destruction of Mankind. 
strange, but okay. Uh, Dead or Alive is, I just think about the video game, but okay. Sponsored uh, by PlayStation. Yeah, <laughs> sponsored by PlayStation. That's probably why. Is that um, what made you lads pick this? That all the all the taglines are like sound like death metal album names. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the reason why we went with this was uh, we were kind of we we were. I was kind of like saying to Justin, do we go with something that's just terrible, like uh, Uncensored '95 and the the Alliance to Kill Hulkamania? Or oh, and Justin was like, maybe not that bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> watchable still, like. Yeah, no. Look, as as a podcast that that does flirt with that, it's better to have something really terrible or something really good because if it's kind of in the middle, it's no fun, and that's when it's a case of it's, you know when are they going to get to the fireworks factory where we avoid minutes, uh, talking about it. It's ninety minutes. Me and Dar are sitting here going, "What do you think of that? <laughs> that was grand. It was grand. Yeah. <laughs> and the next match, I was fine. It was fine." <laughs> So I do think this was a really interesting pay-per-view though. This was it. Like there's an awful lot of meat on the bone just for what's happening at the time and you know where people are going to, where people have come to, where people are going to end up. Um some really, really weird stylistic choices in a lot of heel versus heel matches. Um yep. stuff that we wouldn't you'd never see, you know, just messing around with Jim Jim Ross's microphone. Just it's a it's a weird we are trying to do something a little bit different kind of pay-per-view and, and in yeah. an hour and 50 minutes i i have more notes for for this pay-per-view an hour and 50 minutes than i have for the combined cyber sunday series <laughs> <laughs> well look pretty much everything you brought up there colin is kind of what i wanted to touch, to touch on um it it, it so it's it's firmly it's not the actual error yet it just it's nearly there it's edging it and you can really kind of see that's where they're going um it's the first appearance of austin's glass break it's it's hilarious well it's it's bizarre actually not even hilarious it's bizarre to see the crowd just not react to that because it's, it's really know it's actually as well it's like it's just like like it's supposed to be the glass breaks everyone loses their mind yeah and, and it's just and it, crickets and like it's it's a new song as well like on a pay-per-view so it starts everyone's like who who oh yeah. right Oh, Tim, yeah, yeah. We're indifferent to him, kind of. We kind of and, like him. Yeah, kind of. and, and then when he wins, the crowd are just sitting there and there's some guy that with a mullet who <sighs> two years later will be a fan of him. It just <laughs> nothing. And I was like, this is hilarious. Sadly, though, Martin, uh, I wasn't able to catch any good signs in this. So what we tried to do Aww. was try to pick signs. So if you guys spotted any ones, let us know. Do you know what? I think signs at that signs at this stage were were very much the Undertaker will make you rest in peace. There was nothing yeah. like you know yeah, that, yeah. in any way interesting. Yeah. It was all like, uh, but it's can... it's such a wild pivot, like from that from nineteen ninety six. You know, like you say, mm. those signs are very much just toeing the line to ninety seven, ninety eight, where it's just extreme homophobia mostly. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? It's funny because even at the at the start where he's like Savio Vega, you know, didn't come over because you know he was afraid to because obviously Savio Vega was injured. Well, it was supposed to be Austin and Savio Vega, but he, yeah, Savio Vega was injured. Uh, and when Austin starts to swear, like man is is right in there because it just wasn't done like in WWF at the time. It was like you know the real potty mouth reactions. Yeah. And it's exactly what got Austin over is that people were like, "Oh, can but you say you that? To, Maybe I can say that too." It was like, um, it reminded me of, uh, I think there's a, a Family Guy sketch about um, 
like from the Victorian era, and this this woman in the Victorian era is a is a real <laughs> slut because she's so, showing off because she's showing off her ankles. In this, it was like uh, Austin swearing. What did he say? Kiss my ass. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, whoa. It's like, we don't like, say that here. <laughs> if it's allowed on Phoenix FM, it's it's not that bad. <laughs> Absolutely. What's interesting about that whole situation is that um, it's really the very, very, very beginning of Austin versus McMahon. It's 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 Austin swears on TV and McMahon is like, oh, you know, you can you can kind of trace it, trace it back to then. But it's it's also kind of interesting because with, as you said, that, you know, the glass shatters uh, music coming in. Um, I was actually kind of fond of the I, I call it the Chili McFreeze music. You know, the ice dagger music, you know, that yeah. actually, you know, because I watched recently, I watched because uh, I, I have a big collection of, of uh, um, WWF VHS and I watched King of the Ring 96 and it just it, it didn't it just wasn't in my head that he didn't have that music. And by by the final, by the time he was win, like you just always imagine that when he cuts that Austin 316 music that 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 the promo, that that music is there. And it's not, it's the, you know, the almost a, a take on, on Mankind's music, you know what I mean? So it's just odd to not have that there. It's bizarre even the early days mm. of Austin when he's using like the million dollar sleeper mm. as his finisher. You that's know, it's, more bizarre. It's, mm. more bizarre. It, it, it's For some reason, that's more bizarre than when he had loads of hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's less weird to me than you know, when he's using holds, because mm. obviously he was a great wrestler. And even in this match, he own heart hadn't crippled him yet. So he was like, actually a really, really good wrestler. And it's just weird to see him. It's like, whoa, I think we really were, um, we were shortchanged Austin at his prime. But again, you know, Colin, as you said, what got him over was, you know, being a brawler who mm. swore a lot and drank beer. That was what got him over, you know? So, I mean, it kind of is what it is, you know, but okay, we're kind of jumping ahead there a bit. So let's, the buy rate is just, on, sorry, the attendance is just under 10,000. So it's not huge. It's uh, by WCW standards in, in the latter period. It's, it's, it's still not great. By TNA standards from last week, Martin, it's 10 <laughs> times that, <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, Martin made the mistake of wanting to see an ECW show run by ECW people. I didn't want to. I made a comment, and Dara, with his with his superior wrestling knowledge, latched upon it and said, "I'm going to turn your words against you," and <laughs> did so in spectacular fashion. Yes, hardcore justice. It's a thing to behold. It's a hardcore injustice. That was the that was the the basically TNA's version of um, ECW One Night Stand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like all the old out of shape, like except Steve, for Stevie Richards, who was in amazing shape. And PJ Marco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not uh, let's not shortchange PJ Polacco. Absolutely, the, the, the Portuguese ECW. man of war. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE one night stand and the TNA one night stand were very different one night stands. And Absolutely, I believe we've all had experience of both kinds of one night stands. <laughs> <laughs> one is one you tell your mates about; the other one you drink away in shame. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
so okay so yeah as you said this show was was very weird from the get-go it um it had hunter hurst helms that he would become triple h the greatest wrestler of all time uh, against stone Cold steve austin as the opener <laughs> like yeah that's a sentence not only that i have an interesting uh, little sidebar on that that i found today because as I tell you, oh. I collect many, oh, many VHS. Okay, he's holding a classic VHS. I am indeed. And I'm going to describe this. Not only, right, are every single match has little pictures. Sorry, my my sexy light here is blinding the, the, the box. But you have everything. And then you have a tiny little line at the bottom that says, plus... Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> wow. A tiny little line under the pictures of everyone else on the pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I wish to buy your VHS. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's weird because, like, Mark Merrow was featured. Yeah, The absolutely. smoking guns are featured. That's insane. That's Listen, insane. D- Daddy Ass is a star, okay? Listen. Don't you be talking about Daddy Ass. Uh, do you know what? Sonny was trying to get get her some scissor and some daddy ass at this pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> these are wrestling terms, Phoenix. Yes. these are wrestlers. These are, oh, yeah. these, are no. these are not ludax. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> if it's right. on a t shirt, it's okay. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, okay, so Austin comes out, um, and he is—he's uh, not a face. He's not a heel. He's kind of in between. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is very much a heel at this point because you know jr um his mic is coming on and off the whole time vince mcmahon is on commentary and then we have like controlled king he's not he's he's not like deviant yeah he's just kind of like you know really in the pocket of like yeah he's not even lecherous even when when sable comes out i was actually surprised when yeah when Sonny and Sable, right? I was surprised how restrained you were. I was like <laughs> bracing. I, I was, I was sat there with my notepad and my pen, going, "Go on, King, give me something dirty I can like laugh about on the podcast." There's only one line in the whole show that I caught from King, actually, and it was a, a really awkward cut on some young one who looks like could be in fibers, like just you know. And he's like, literally just about to say it. Yeah, did you get it? Yeah, it's like a really awkward cut on this like attractive looking girl who would you know be hanging out at a, at a at a metal bar and then king's like oh there's lots of creatures around here i'm like what's wrong with her she looks fine she's well, like, you know, like there's nice another moment one. Yeah. <laughs> there's another moment uh where it, it, again it's, it's not even a creepy thing but it's just a gay in the front row with long hair and he's like look at that girl and then uh instagram goes well i, I don't think that's a girl I'd, King just loses his mind. He a just man goes, with long hair? <laughs> what? He's like three times, doesn't he? He's is... thick on this lad. <laughs> he was. He was the, he, he's the... thick on it. Like he, he says it more than once as well. Like, he goes. He does a whole rant. Like he can't believe. Like, like imagine him today trying to deal with <laughs> bathrooms and everything. Like he just. But hold on. Like, on on the show, he was supporting the you know, Triple H, who has long hair. Like, yeah. That's, there's no consistency with King. At least when King maybe, becomes lecherous, there's some consistency. Maybe it, was, maybe it was the quality of the hair. Maybe your man in the audience was using like too good of a conditioner. Uh, okay, that, that's probably it. That would make the sense. guy in the audience was using like crisp and dry from the looks of the oh. guy. <laughs> 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 what is, what is it? <laughs> what is it called? Of the, of 
tail and mane. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's weird because like the commentary team are like they're it's Vince, which is very stuck up. But I, you know, normally I hate Vince's commentary, but for some reason this show it wasn't as great and as it normally is. Mm. And I think it was because they were self-aware of how bad he actually can be. And the whole time, you know, JR was like, that move is called this. This move is called fantastic. <laughs> and it was fantastic. So, I mean... But, but Vince plays it safe. He's So, see, in South Armagh, if you don't know someone's name, you just call them Fane. Ah, oh, well, Fane. How Fane? Let's crack Fane. <laughs> Vince plays Everton safe. He doesn't know the name of any move. So, he just goes, Unbelievable! What a manoeuvre. Unbelievable! Like, <laughs> It's a headlock. One, two, three, got him. No. <laughs> Forget about it. But yeah, like during this show, for some reason, I think it was. Look, the In Your House shows were known for being a bit different. And they would kind of try stuff. It wasn't like a huge show. It wasn't something. And it was kind of throwaway. I don't think they did another Buried Live. I think it's the only one that they ever did, isn't it? Um, Not the match, the, but the pay per view. The actual pay per view. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. it was actually sandwiched between. Um, fu- it was a funny time for just pay per view names because international incident was the one before that featured no international people in the main event, <laughs> and the next one was it's, was in your house twelve. It's time, which didn't have Vader in it. So <laughs> it was I, I love Sid and Vader in the main event, but they put Psycho Sid again. Uh, Put Psycho Sid in the Vader spot, but they already had the pay per view named. <laughs> oh, I love when uh, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's in a match, and or especially when he's in a tag match, mm. and whoever he's against is also American <laughs> for some reason. Even <laughs> yeah. the crowd still starts chatting USA, USA, and you're like, all four of these people are Yanks. <laughs> but here's the one for you. Do you remember? Uh, this is actually, I loved. In WCW, I love Lance Storm's faction of like, you know, annoying oh. Canadian people. And they made Jim Duggan Canadian. Yeah. And, every, and he'd start yeah. stamping the foot and then everyone start going, USA. And then he'd just go and he'd be like Hulk Hogan shaking the head, but he'd have the two hands and he'd be like, no. <laughs> and then he'd be like, put, going to put the thumb up. And then he'd be like, no, I'm Canadian now. <laughs> I'm not With allowed to have fun. Yeah. Me and Tara did this. Big long WCW arc. Oh my god, I thought it was never gonna end. Um, but every time we reviewed a pay-per-view, it's like uh this happened and then this happened, and then Lance Storm came out. He's <laughs> <laughs> like single-handedly saving the pay-per-view, carrying it on his back. No matter how bad it was, that segment was always the best. And that's awesome. that's a credit to him. He's the PJ Palacco of WCW. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and a former tag team partner of PJ Palacco exactly. as well. <laughs> and it what no, he wasn't an X Factor. X Factor was X Pac, PJ Palacco, X-Pac and just Albert. incredible, wasn't it? Oh, it was and, just yeah. incredible, nothing. Yeah, he just was. A, just incredible is PJ Palacco. Oh, but they, yeah. they are. I'm getting schooled. But they were the uh, Lance Storm and um, P, PJ Palacco were the impact players in ECW, and Don Marie was their manager. So yes, that's true. That true. <laughs> I literally just realised I'm the odd one out. I'm the only one here who's not in a band. <laughs> you know, unless you count me, you know, once I get a certain amount of whiskey in me, I do whip it? out my bow run, whether people <laughs> yes. like it or not. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a draft 
uh, comment there. I'm like, I'm Baron Corbin. I'm I'm a free agent. <laughs> I'm liable to show up anywhere. <laughs> Watch out, Broad Breaker. <laughs> oh man. Baron Corbin, um, they're 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 Dar- with the best finish ever. Sorry, but mm. it's terrible. It's finished, cause what? What's up, Baron? So it just so uh, Colin brought something up there that um, raised the point, and then you brought something up that also made me think of another thing. So earlier you were talking about how this is the first pay per view with a Barry live match, first pay per view with Austin's music. This yeah. was also the first ever WWF pay per view where the current world champion didn't wrestle. Ah, and it was also in terms of being like so. Colin, you were talking about how this was kind of a wee bit ahead of its time and some of its different ideas, and that this was actually more ahead of its time than we realize because the Berry Delave match was originally supposed to be a graveyard match, or as they'd call it now, a boneyard match. But it was uh, it was actually supposed to be like a um almost like a cinematic. It, in in a, taking place in a graveyard with the um, Undertaker and Mankind, and then they decided that that wouldn't, f- you know, for a for a main event that wouldn't really pop the crowd to be watching it on a video. But uh, yeah, that's what it was going to be originally because they had oh, learned well. the hard way about that. Because summer at SummerSlam '96, um, as much as people watching um, the Boiler Room Brawl. With with Undertaker and uh, think they were completely di- they were completely like out of the match until they came back through the curtain and you had the whole swerve with Paul Bearer. But apparently yeah. they had uh, VHS players and screens like right. rolled out so people could watch at the front row because this is not your time with the Titantron and you may have a big screen like somewhere, but like to keep people interested throughout that that they actually literally rolled out screens so people could watch which is interesting as well so no wonder they didn't do it (laughs) yeah paid for a front row ticket to watch this VHS (laughs) (laughs) we recorded this earlier the lads are just in the pub like (laughs) having a couple of points oh no that's terrible but yeah no and also as well um, there's two dark matches that were on afterwards there was a tag team match Mm. and the world title was defended against Goldust so Goldust did two jobs that night really and uh yeah we didn't get to see that because the show just ends with the hand coming out and that's that's kind of where it cuts off which is weird but we get into it right so lads uh, as i said the first match was austin and triple h um i'll I'll start with you tristan because i haven't really said that much uh on it yet what did you think about this match uh did it surprise you at all i thought it was mad seeing like stone cold when his knees worked and everything and he was just like very early in the match, he like takes like a big arm drag, and takes like a big bump off it. And I was like, "Oh, he's he's doing it. He's actually going to be doing moves." And it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird proto Triple H as well. Like they're still calling them by his full name the whole time, and like he's wearing his his baggy tights for some reason. And he's he's, he's, got, like, he's got like a, a woman with him. Was that his thing that he brought up? <laughs> just like women. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, what, what, he he inherited the water, and uh, the the Godfather inherited the women. That's what happened there. Uh-huh. You know, um, Colin, what what about you? Do you know what? It's it, it's very interesting because um, with Triple H, you can see the what we're going to be, you know, trademark moves that he would take. Like I, I'm a big fan of Triple H's. Um, the way he sells a slingshot into the post is like nobody else. He goes down with one arm dead, one arm up, and he just 
absolutely creams it. So after Mr. Perfect uh, interferes um, and they, you know, they go for the fake suplex on the floor and Austin drags him over and does that. I was just like, God, Triple H at this stage was so absolutely fantastic. Like, it's really... my One of my favourite eras of Triple H is Triple H after he was forgiven for the curtain call. And mm. uh, he changed, you know, he's at the start of this, he's got the ding, 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 music and he's yeah. very suave. But they change him up very shortly after this. They have, you know, oh, to joy. Da, 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 mm. da. And he's very, he's very much, you know, the confident, you know, confident snob where he was, yeah. he was like a, he was like a suave, suave or snob in this. But um, like, he's definitely changing up his style to be like less Greenwich Blue Bud to be in a little bit more aggressive in this. And yeah. obviously with Austin as well, Austin, everything is almost there, but the, 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 it's so weird to see the stunner without the kick. Yes. Even though, the, even though, cause he flips the bird and there's yeah. no, there's no kick and it's just down with the stunner. And so it's interesting. And also it's the first time that, um, JR said, Austin calls that the stun gun. <laughs> the very first mention of the stun gun as well, even though the stunner obviously is there. But the stun gun gets its first mention there as well. And I always love the stun gun. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, you, you kind of... Is, is stun gun a better name? No, the stun gun is where he has, you know, he has... The guy is laying on the ropes with his arms out and the head over. Oh, and yeah. And he comes and yeah. puts the leg over. Austin goes at the stun gun. <laughs> there's, a stun, there's a stun gun is, and then it would go into the stunner. But he is wouldn't stun obviously gun give... a better name than stunner? I'm, I'm a wee bit torn on that. I don't know. You see, it makes sense. If you watch the original, you know, oh, still call Steve Austin. But there's the callback, stunning Steve Austin with the stunner. Long-term like, storytelling. Just imagine, <laughs> boot, he boots the rock in the stomach. It's WrestleMania 17, he puts the rock in the stomach, he hits the third stunner of the match, and JR goes, Stun gun, stun gun, stun gun. It does roll <laughs> off the tongue. It does roll does, off the does, tongue. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a wee bit torn on that one. I'm, no, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of single word finishers. You know, all the gore, pedigree. Gore, yes. You know, tombstone. Well, these, these are the gore and the pedigree. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can say it without the there though, and it still works. Yeah, it's good for shouting. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, after the, so there was some interference. Mister Perfect, Austin will get the win, and then um, it, it's weird because this match wasn't supposed to happen. It's supposed to be Salvio Vega going against mm. uh, going against Austin, and Triple H was thrown in at the last moment. So yeah, um, that, that I okay. I know I'm a bit biased and I understand that, but I'm so glad Salvi Vega wasn't in this match. <laughs> to be not, honest with you, a, I think we've got a much better match. Biased, Dara. You're raving bigots. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're an absolute zealot. <laughs> Cultish acolyte. He had such a great match about it was two months earlier, the Car- uh, Caribbean strap match. Uh, when he was just Steve Austin, he dropped the he dropped the ringmaster and yeah. was just Steve Austin and Teddy Biasi was still knocking around. But man, they had a Caribbean strap match that was just unbelievably good. I think it was at Beware of Dog, but I could not tell you for one hundred percent sure. Uh, but I, it was well, it was absolutely fantastic. Well, I, the only reason why I say it is because it it changed the dynamic mm. of the show, right? I mean, it kind of it. it added that layer of unpredictability mm. because again it was for the most part unplanned and it just kind of 
got the got the crowd into it immediately mm. for the most part. Yeah. And I, it was it was a great opener. It's probably one of the best openers I've seen in some time. And it's shock well, it's it's shocking mm. and it's not, you know. Yeah. From there we had our first title match, which was Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, um, who defeated the smoking guns, Billy and Bart. Bart uh who would later go on to win uh the brawl for all. And then oh be knocked God. out by Butterbean in a couple of, <laughs> couple of seconds. <laughs> we, we we did a whole brawl for for all uh, episode and uh, God, poor Bart. Yeah, poor Bart. Imagine, imagine, <laughs> poor Bart. imagine getting into wrestling <laughs> and being punished for being a good fighter. Just <laughs> bizarre. So you yeah. I hate Brawl for All, though, because it, it robbed us of Dr. Death Steve Williams, who was one of, another one of my favorite oh, wrestlers. Member of my favorite tag team, but uh, that, that that killed Dr. Death in WWF, so that is my, uh, that's why I am anti-Brawl for All, just for that reason. Me me and Dara have been through all, just all the lives that were ruined by Brawl for All. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a list of them. It has a body count. Oh, and it does. It's... And it was all brought in just to teach uh, JBL a lesson. This is it. <laughs> this is it. So spiteful. Like. <laughs> in, term, in terms of victims on American soil, it goes 9-11, Oklahoma bombing, Brawl for All. That's it because people in the know know that Hawk would never have got pushed off that Titan Trot by Draws if it wasn't for Brawl for All. <laughs> Long term storytelling. <laughs> the payoff we never got. That's it, absolutely. But um lads, what did you think about this as a ta- so what was what what the upside of this was, you know, the tag team division was still intact quite well it wasn't the actual error matches weren't three minutes they were like proper matches mm. you had own heart and the british bulldog in there as your champions defending and then obviously the smoking guns with billy and bark gun who are who are great wrestlers in and of themselves um this was actually a really really solid tag match and i was trailed by it nine minutes um i had a nice clean finish as well so uh but what, what did you think Colin? do you know what it, it's an interesting one because um another one of my favorite pay-per-views is uh, the pay-per-view that came immediately before this, which was Mind Games. And that is when One Heart and the British Bulldog beat the Smoking Guns for the tag team titles. And I absolutely love that match. And compared to that match, they're just a little... I personally think that they're, it's, it's just a, st- it's a notch below, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I thought the finish was great in this. I thought the... Um, kind of, you know, bulldog, um, kind of pulling. What was their, what was their fit? I can't remember what the 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 smoking guns finisher was called. Was the stun it, gun, the, the sidewinder. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Jr. keeps There's saying a, it. There. It's like, oh, he's going for it. He's going for the sidewinder. Oh, oh, he was going to go for the sidewinder. <laughs> you know, pulling so out of the sidewinder and uh, dropping them. at bulldog coming in, like it was, a, it was a good finish and it was a good match. But I just because. If you do go back to this time of 1996, really, really excellent tag match is the month before at Mind Mind Games, which is probably a worse pay-per-view, but Mm. better version of this match. Lads, I insist you do a song called Stun Gun. (laughs) The Stun Gun. The Stun Gun. (laughs) And and Sidewinder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, I I agree. I... uh... I agree. There's some fair points there, but um, I need to actually go back and watch that match. Um, 
and that pay per view actually, Mind Games has been a while since I've seen it. Uh, Tristan, what do you think of then, Martin? Uh, I thought like Own Hearts, great. Even like just like little things like I can't remember the first movie he does. I think it's just like a, a simple little like takedown or something. But he he does he does, he does one move and straight away he goes woo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like I've done it. It's like it like he didn't even nearly win. <laughs> like he just did a move, and it's just. It's just great, and it's great. Like it is great, from, like actual tag teams as well. Like mm. villains are meant to be brothers, so they dress the same. Um, and like Owen Hart and the Bulldog, like they're a cohesive team. Even if they don't have a team name yet, they're still like like an actual team, and there is like a reason for them to be a team and stuff like that. Yeah, they're not those random jobbers that were like hanging out and catering. They're like, quick lads, go! <laughs> you got five yeah. minutes. Which is which is like when we were watching Raw and we did a whole. We did a whole arc where we watched like three months of Raw. It would be that. It'd be random tag teams. And it, it it's sad to see that degenerate. But, you know, you can kind of see why they went that way. Particularly with the next two matches that I guess we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go into. Martin, uh, before we do, uh, any thoughts on the tag match? Yeah, I mean, again, I have to agree with Tristan on uh, the, the love for Owen. All the little things he does are for slammy winner on his text. <laughs> That's just brilliant. Um, and I even love, I don't know what it is, because it's not like super clean or super slick, but I love that spin and heel kick he does. It, yeah. it just looks like it has a lot of heft behind it. You know, it looks like a real... Um, <laughs> the only thing I was wondering is during this match, I noticed that several times... Owen goes to tag Bulldog and Bulldog gets in the ring but doesn't do the tag and then is in the ring wrestling and, and then doesn't realise he's the guy in the ring. I remember reading Brett's book about how he basically had to talk Bulldog through mm. the SummerSlam match and I'm wondering, is 1996 Bulldog still crack-smoking Bulldog? Because he, he, he doesn't seem to really like follow What's going on? Um, well, he was. He, that's actually very true because uh, I don't know if you listen to, to Jim Carrette at all, but uh, Jim Carrette said they were floating down Lake Havasoma. Uh, <laughs> he was in that group. Uh, and with, like uh, X-Pac had gone to WCW at this time. And you had, obviously, Holland Nash had gone to WCW this, at the, that time. So essentially, Triple H was clean. So your Havasoma group at this time was Davey and Sean. So Davey was one hundred percent in his in his acting the acting the maggot at that stage. So you're well, dead, right? You, you can tell because mm. like there's multiple points during this match where Owen is mm. six inches away from him with his hand <laughs> right in front of him, and Davey gets mm. in the ring and walks past him. That's because Davey is off in space. But <laughs> <laughs> here, but here, just when he's bringing up X Pac, this is something that's been running on the on the podcast for a wee while. Make Do either noise. of you know? Ah, oh, Dara. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. Let's go Do either of you know what what is shouted at the start of X Pac's entrance music? Uh, it's make some noise. Ah. Oh. <laughs> but but what did you think it was? Like that though. <laughs> I used to think at the very start, I thought he just said X Block, like <laughs> shouting exactly. really weird, like. But yeah. Tristan, I, I, did you know what it was? I thought it was make some noise. I always thought it was that. 
neither neither of you lads owe us an X Pac euro then. I'm sorry, I did I didn't mean to. Re- I thought you were going to go to something else, and now I just instinctively every time he shows up, I just say make some noise <laughs> in my head now. But yeah, I, I like about myself and Martin thought it was X Pac said really weirdly. Yeah, for years, and then I now all of his promos make a lot more sense. That he says make some noise all the time. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, this makes I, so much more sense now. I always thought it was the way because there's kind of like a slur. St- I always thought he was saying sex pock as if that was like yes. a cool cool pun on his own name or something. But you know what's interesting? And I would love to know, and I don't know the answer to this. Do you know Mike Tyson used that music before Xbox? What? There you really? go. If you go back on a couple of Raws before WrestleMania 14, Mike Tyson uses that that Xbox team music. And I couldn't tell you if there is like guys <laughs> or sex pack or what I'm going to say now is sex pack euros. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, he uses it might, that music, which is, it might which be is weird. Noise for Tyson, it might be everything because if I'm remembering right from SmackDown 2, it goes, make some noise. And then there's like a voice dubbed in on top that just goes, Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just the X song, so maybe it is exactly like that. And then that's just the same as like when they dubbed the X Factor into the X Factor music without permission. That that sounds like when uh, WCW went to Germany and they brought the wrong tape for the NWO music, so it had their but it didn't have the NWO. So they played the music and they just got like some per roadie on a mic to go <laughs> N NWO N W for life <laughs> and that was still better than the B squad music at the end of the oh my god yeah but and Martin thanks for bringing it up again sorry I didn't realise you were going to go into that I thought it was something else but apologies lads the X the Pac Euro tax is waived <laughs> but it's not waived for people listening folks if you didn't know that if you thought it was Pac or whatever you can go over to our Patreon and give us an Pac Euro you must you must, must. exactly yeah, Pac Euro the lights have to be kept on here somehow you know you know we have to fund that fight between Martin and CM Punk it's not going to fund itself, so yeah. go over to the Patreon. Not cross McGlenn, the council's not paying for it. <laughs> but lads, he before... ain't going to get his tetanus shots on collision money. <laughs> <laughs> but lads, we do have to go to a break here on Phoenix ninety two point five FM. But before we do, uh, tell us how how we can check out Cell Games uh, if you have any music coming up soon and where everybody can find you guys. Uh, we are on all all the main things. We're on Instagram at cellgames.mp3. Uh, Twitter is cellgames underscore mp3 because you can't have a full stop in your handle. Um, it's just cellgames on Facebook. Um, cellgames on Spotify. That's where everything is. Uh, we do have a TikTok because you have to have a TikTok. There is nothing on it. So you don't put up for it. Um, the last video that went on it was an announcement about the new Instagram page, but then uh, we got copyright struck for using our own music in the background, so that's gone. Fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, the YouTube, I was listening to your stuff on YouTube. We have YouTube as well. Um, this will be the podcast version of this is coming out Thursday. Yeah. So Thursday, Thursday evening, 
Um, you're getting an exclusive here, but it won't be an exclusive because this is going on the radio Tuesday. Um, on Thursday evening, there will be a guitar playthrough of Here's Your mm. Bones going up. Oh, Because uh, the content train does not stop for anyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, guys, go over and check them out. Um, give them a like, give them a follow. Are you doing merch? Uh, not right now. We just sold the last of our T-shirts. Uh, okay. But there will be merch. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye out on, on things like we're... We're looking at doing like a whole new design for for t-shirts. Um, we're probably going to do stickers because everyone's got surfaces. So that's true. That's true. Everyone's got stickers. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, baby. Those cell game stickers flying out like startups, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, go over and check them out. Uh, keep an eye on the socials and buy the merch because here in uh, exclusive, that's how bands make money buy their stuff <laughs> because the record the record industry is is a nightmare but yeah guys thank you so much for being on the show um we are going to keep this party going over on the podcast so if you guys are checking it out for the first time that's weird uh go over and go to nerdthenomedia.com therestandgoodwine.com that's where you'll be find the rest of the show we will talk to you after this break on the podcast and next week on phoenix and the 2.5 fm bye guys keep rolling If you have nothing else to do on a Saturday, do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5pm to 6pm, and then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media radio network. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. Welcome back to The Wrestling Rewind here on NerdToNomedia.com and The Wrestling Rewind. Um, if, you're list- if you're listening to us here, coming from Phoenix FM, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Dara Connor. still joined by Martin Herty, and we're also joined by the two lads from Cell Games, Colin and Tristan. Lads, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome to The Wrestling Rewind After Dark. <laughs> turn the lights down in the arena. Warzone. Warzone. <laughs> Shotgun Wrestling Rewind. <laughs> wrestling Rewind Underground. That was actually my favourite of the weekly shows, Shotgun. It was. Because the, the Big Boss Man was always on it. And I love the Big Boss Man. It's also... It's, wait, now, is Shotgun the one that they used to record in New York at midnight? They yes. did initially. They did initially, and then it became it's, like an off-brand heat. Well, it's the only time ever where Mick Foley and Bret Hart have wrestled. Really? really interesting. Yep. Only time. That's amazing. Ever. Mankind That's incredible, Bret yeah. Hart on Shotgun Saturday night. Oh wow. It also has my favorite, favorite ever Terry Funk um line. Uh when he interrupted so cool or when Steve Austin interrupted him and he just goes, 
Your mother's a whore. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of crazy interruptions and promos, back on the show, that's my favorite thing this whole pay-per-view. The superstar line. I wish this was a thing. It's Triple H listening to Stone Cold cutting a promo and he can't hear him, but his face, he wants to interrupt, but he can't. And there's some random lad beside him. And it's just like... What is this? I love it. I, I want that back. And also, we didn't mention uh, the floozy that was with Owen Hart and British <laughs> Bulldog. I don't know who that is, but uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of when wrestlers have floozies with them. You know, not like a valet, like like a Jim Cornette or something, just a random floozy that does their I bidding. I didn't even and, notice like, the flu- I didn't even. Yeah, it's right with Natural Libra. You are just a floozy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I, did, I didn't notice the random floozy actually in that. I must go back and check. It's like Did when you know when Jericho was in yeah. uh, Jericho just debuted and he had his floozy with him, uh, Curtis. Curtis <laughs> and Ralph. Yeah, I mean, if, like all heel wrestlers and teams should have a floozy, not a female manager now, just someone who's just there to do nothing. It's brilliant, but they do little bits. Like the blue meanie is the perfect floozy. Was this Clarence Mason? Was it Clarence Mason? Clarence Mason. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, there you go. Also known as Jay Biggs, Jay Biggs in uh, WCW. Ah, yeah. there you go. There's a couple <laughs> other things about this show that are fairly unique. Again, like the you because um, in your house wasn't like a full. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on. It was two dollars for that superstar line. That's just robbery. Imagine a that. Mi- a minute. Yeah. In my, 1996. And yeah, my mom would have beaten me around the house for that like that and I would have deserved it too because I don't know about you guys but two dollars a minute two euro two pounds a minute you, oh wouldn't, God. you wouldn't you wouldn't pay two euros a minute to listen to one of them jack off lines speaking of jack off lines I actually have a funny non-wrestling related story that uh, uh, relates to this Go basically when I, when I was a young fella living back down in Newtown Castle in County Longford, the arse end of nowhere. Um, I got in trouble because my mother got the, the oh, God, phone no. bill. And she was like, <laughs> no. look at this. 50 euro, 50 euro for ringing. You're not ringing any of those porn lines. And I was like, no, ma'am, it was the psychic hotline. And do you want to oh, know that's what, worse. But you know what? Do you want, want to know what the worst thing about this whole story was? It actually was the psychic. <laughs> oh my god! I'd, I'd admit to the porn. It <laughs> actually was the psychic hotline. <laughs> oh, incredible! Which, weirdly enough, had been Gene Okerlund on it. Did it? <laughs> Is it true? You can't be serious. Oh my god, that's so funny. Pe- people um, call it Triple H in 1996. Two dollars a minute. Two dollars a minute. It was a challenging wank, but not an impossible wank. <laughs> it wasn't even Triple H. It was Austin shouting down the phone with, with Triple H making melt noises. Absolutely. And no. Austin making D'Lo Brown level head waggles. <laughs> Clear, by the way, Colin, did anything the uh, soothsayers say turn out to be true? Um, I cannot remember. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> for 50 quid, I, w- I would have got that tattooed on me. You're <laughs> like, back in the way back. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, so there was a few other things in the show that I thought were 
I actually don't even know if they were unique or something they were they were trying, but I, I really liked them. So whenever they had the wrestlers doing promos backstage, the commentators could hear them through their headsets and were able to back and forth with them yeah. directly. It was almost like a, a news interview. You know, like when you see people been interviewed in news. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh and the other thing that I loved was oh yeah, because we went straight into the opening match. Yeah. The opening video package is brilliant. Oh, it was very good. Love very good. Like you can really see so like WWE would obviously perfect this over time. Um, but you can really see them getting into it here. Like it's it looks really good. Do you know what I particularly love the nineteen ninety seven um opening packages because they're a little bit raw and you had the kind of you know very famously the wrestlemania 13 you know shades of gray kind of <laughs> we don't it's not good guys or bad guys it's shades of gray and obviously because vince had said that personally like you know maybe a year afterwards yeah it's really him projecting through these as well which is kind of which is kind of interesting but uh yeah i absolutely love that that uh buried alive opening was something else <laughs> And another cool thing they did during the show, um, obviously the turning off JR's mic throughout mm. the first like half of the show would eventually lead to a, to an in I, in ring promo. I couldn't promo. tell if that was shoot or not uh, until no, it became a promo. Yeah, yeah. it was obvious. Mm. But uh, when it first started happening, I honestly couldn't tell if mm. that was shoot or not. Like JR was, he really sells being a mm. whiny bitch. You know what? Though? Was no, so it's well what, done. But you know what's funny though? Sorry for interrupting me, Colin, right? Oh, so sorry. We've, so so we've, we've been jumping around Jay, like the timeline now, like, you know, a, a drunk Doctor Who. And every time we show up with JR, it's him bitching about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> On one random episode of Raw, he makes his own commentary boot. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's in a frat house. And it's like, well, for like four years, like, and that, that gets rushed over because obviously he's JR but week to week he's kind of he complains a lot like he really over here does. he hasn't even changed so last week we did a, a double or nothing and at one stage during double or nothing um uh, it's not is it a cool hand Ange gets thrown into the commentary <laughs> oh, yeah. table and knocks over JR's coffee and all you can oh, actually hear JR in commentary going you stupid bastard <laughs> it's like, it's like, JR, you're sitting at the commentary table at a wrestling pay per view. What in the name of God did you think was going to happen? But <laughs> now it's coffee getting ruined. Come on. That's so funny. Uh, uh, you know, have, are you aware of Brian Last? No. Yeah. Uh, Brian Last is the the co host of the Jim Cornette podcast and host of the 605 Super Podcast. The, the best tweet was just Jim Cornette has checked the fuck out. Or not Jim Cornette. Jim Ross has checked the fuck out. <laughs> That's 100% true. Oh, <laughs> Jim yeah, Cornette yeah. has really just checked out. But it's actually, it's hilarious to listen to. It's actually very, very funny to listen to. And it, the, 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 well, not the worst thing, but the thing about it is that he completely has. But, um, yeah. His voice is so synonymous with wrestling. Mm. I would actually, I wouldn't keep him week to week, but mm. I keep him for like big shows or big moments or just because his voice alone is, for for a whole generation of people, his voice is wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, as you know, you've, you've, you've got two very, very wide divides on that show. You have JR, who is very, who's just like, you know, 
antagonistic and you know a grouch and you have Tony Schiavone who's so happy to be there yeah and, you know it's like uh, well I mean that's, I don't that's which one I prefer <laughs> you know it, it's funny because Giovanni is I, I always thought he was a better commentator mm. like straight man uh, like as a commentator than than Jim Ross who was look he's he's famous for being extremely biased like there's a great promo I shared on my Facebook a while ago where it's him just railing Triple H going, you bastard, you black. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you do this? And it was just, I mean. You prick, you fucking wanker. <laughs> just like just railing into him for, for whatever he does. And then like cheering Austin and stuff. And you, nobody can sell a story like that. But like Shivani's always been like a straight man where he's like, he, you know, he's Vince McMahon who knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. That's Shivani. Do you know what? Here's an interesting one on that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever picked up on it on your wrestling travels, but one of the most unusual things that Jim Ross has ever said is he says, "Those son of a bitches." He says, "Those son of a bitches." <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? He goes, "Those son of a bitches." It's like that. that is, are you trying? Is sons of bitches? What's your sons of bitches? No, 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 son of a bitches. No, no, no. That's you can do all sorts of things with modern medicine. Keep, <laughs> keep, keep your ear out for that. Son of you a take, bitch. Those son you, of a bitches is there. You take several fertilized eggs and you implant okay, them. Okay, right, 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 right. I'm going to be the Vince McMahon here and pull it back. <laughs> the the war zone, Dara. Back to live action. <laughs> One thing you ca- one thing modern medicine can't explain though is whatever the hell Farouk <laughs> was wearing on his head. Oh he my like, god! <laughs> here in my notes. Really? <laughs> I, I just have that. just have Farouk helmet. Lol. He looks like a mixture of Sub Zero and Kang the Conqueror. He was what, what if you got Tristan? I just wrote Farouk stupid fucking helmet. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed oh, to be a centurion. Is and that what it's supposed to be? That's what it was supposed to be because oh when God. he debuted, Sonny was like, I, like you know, feeling the Muslim, was like a modern centurion. I was like, why is his name Farouk then? <laughs> as, soon, as soon as he came on, as soon as he came on, I went deaf. Couldn't hear a single thing. I didn't in my head, it was just going, the helmet, the helmet, the helmet. It's the last appearance of the helmet. That's the last appearance of the helmet. But here's the question. Is it the first appearance of the helmet? Because, as Tristan pointed out, we know they like to reuse music. Mm. Is that the helmet to try to get Ric Flair to wear when they wanted him to be the Centurion? No, because that was WCW. <laughs> but it could well be. It was a. Uh, it was no. Uh, was the, did WWF not want him to be the Centurion when he? It came was in? watch McCollum. Uh, Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd wanted wanted him to be. Uh, they wanted him to be Spartacus. Spark. Yes, that's what it that was. was the, yeah. That was that was that was the Jim Hurd one. Uh, I I was only only recently bought the the you know the Flair book to be the man. Yeah, and there is an awful lot of time dedicated to Jim Hurd wanting him to be. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, he wants to be the cut my hair, wear a helmet, and, and the big thing is, and get an earring. Oh, and I was like, but like just Spartacus like, of old. Yeah, it's just like Spartacus. <laughs> well, so okay, so we have Farouk. Is a centurion, a centurion called Farouk, and now we have a centurion with an earring. I don't think people know what in wrestling know what centurions are. Yeah, I, so <laughs> I mean, he literally looks like a cross between Sub Zero and Kang the Conqueror. Yes, <laughs> it's so bizarre. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" And just like Martin said, I have not a clue what he said because all I could focus on was that helmet. That was it. There, there was I, I don't know what it was about or what was going on, 
but he was beaten to death nearly by uh, a two by four, it looks like. And that's probably the end of him. Oh. So Farouk would come back <laughs> the nation after that at that point. But Jesus, if you guys haven't seen it and you're just listening to the podcast one, that's also very weird. But go check out, just Google Farouk Helmet and it will pop up. Um, so Goldust comes out with uh, Terry Reynolds, who's not Terry Reynolds at the point. She is Mar- Marlena. Marlena, um, Marlena exactly. With her giant, extremely suggestive cigar. Yeah. <laughs> that she's, that she's, nobody smokes a cigar like that, Marlena. No, no. And then it's, uh, there's a promo in the back with Mark Merrow and Sable. Do you know the, the reason for Marlena? No. Yes, because so, they wanted to dumb down the character. Well, dumb down, Goldust Oh, was this for the knockouts, was it? Yeah, Goldust was obviously supposed to push like yes. a really homophobic yes, yes, button. Yes, yes, yes. yes but yes. kind of pushed it too hard. Mm. And then they yeah. had to like, they had to rub it. Go, no, 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 no. He just likes grabbing balls. He's also got a woman. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's the old, uh, the old knockouts. You know? <laughs> it's like, no, no, he's not gay. It's fine. It's fine. He's androgynous. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here, what would so, appar- so appar- apparently, Vince, apparently Vince wanted to get Goldust to get fake boobs. No, how no. Goldust would- offered to... Wow, it's the other way around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that uh, when Dustin Rhodes was starting in the WWF, he got a call from Vince and he was like, yeah, we want you to come in, pal. And we're going to really push some buttons here. You're going to do an androgynous character. And Dustin Rhodes was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll do that. Brilliant. Um, and then hung up the phone. And then he says, the first thing I did was go and find a dictionary and look up what androgynous means. <laughs> <laughs> it got him over, though. I mean, let's put it this way. This character uh, now, this this kind of gold dust would, would be the gold dust that would kind of carry on for the next couple of years. So, I mean, it did kind of se- settle in. You know, uh, you haven't seen Black Rain yet, Martin. You will. <laughs> you will <laughs> see, see I was initially looking forward to it because I, I like I have this image in my mind of TNA where ah, we all take the piss out of it but once the bell rings it's got really good talent and the matches are all great and hard justice really punched a hole in that theory <laughs> see this is the thing this is why you know with AEW I find it very hard because I get TNA flashbacks like Vietnam flashbacks and I think Martin <laughs> understands now why that happens <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Mark Merrow comes out and uh, he has stay Sable's music, which is weird because it's Sable's music, not Mark Merrow's music. But obviously she hadn't got over yet. She hadn't done her Playboy thing yet. So Mark Merrow is a legit star here with like pyro and everything. That's bizarre to me, Colin. It's interesting with, with Mark Merrow because I have a big problem with people about Mark Merrill, and I'll tell you why. Because I watched WCW pay-per-view where uh, Mark Merrill and Brian Pillman had one of the best matches that I have ever seen, and I will share it with you guys. It's the opener, and it's absolutely incredible. Mm. And, you know, people will obviously, in hindsight, say, oh, well, you know, that's all Brian Pillman. But the... Mark Merrow gave, well, obviously, as Johnny B. Bad in WCW, gave off such a star present in that. And the match was so, so good that I was a huge fan of Wildman Mark Merrow in WWF. 
But the character just is not, you know, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's like yeah. Vince's steadfast, I don't want to use what somebody else has made. So if Mark Merrow came to WWE as Johnny B. Bad, as Dusty Rhodes, Johnny B. Bad, baby, yeah, absolutely, a little Richard, yo, woo, kind of with the kisses and the smiles, and then he was an absolute ass kicker in the ring. Mm. Like, that, I think that would have got over so much more than actual Mark Merrow. But when he came out with, with Sable with, with her, and Sable, like, say what you want, was just an absolute fucking magnet for, mm. it's the statuesque pose, it's the look, yeah. it's the hair, it's the whole lot. Um, but it's just an unusual thing, because I think Mark Merrow, with a different gimmick, with the skills that he had, uh, was absolutely fantastic for 1996 WWE and would have went on with that character to be really, really over if it wasn't for the fact that he wasn't overshadowed by Sable and playing a watered-down version of a character that he had played to perfection, like, two years earlier. Mm. I, I, I actually have down in my notes here, uh, Mark Merrow was born in the wrong era. Because mm. this is a... So, like, I actually completely agree with, with everything you've said. And I think, actually, me and you might have uh, watched that match, Dara. Yeah. But, um, it sounds familiar, actually. It does. Yeah. But um, what, what I got from this match, I was watching this going, this is actually a really good match. Mm. Mark Merrow, or at least this version of him, is a work wrestler. Oh, and yeah. If he was around today, you know, like now when, like, work rate is really, or at least by a certain section of fans, work rate is really what they go for. He'd be over as hell. Yeah, yeah. and I was actually going to say that the, the moonsault that Mark Merrill does is incredible. He pulls out a shooting star press. That's it. The That's wild it. thing. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane because you're like, mm. okay, you know, it, and this goes back to what I, what I was saying earlier on. This pay-per-view feels like it's at a crossroads where either it's going to go into what WWE would become today or the attitude era. And it can't really decide what it is. So you have really good matches, but then also, right, we're going into it. And then it, it seems like in, for the most part in a year or two, that's when they would just go right now. We're just going into the attitude era properly. It just, it just things were not, things were, things were clicking all over the place, but also things were not clicking all over the place. If you know what I mean, like this iteration of Mark Merrill was just like a foil for Sable to jump off to be what she is, because Mark Merrill came into the WWF with that music and actually stole uh, Sable from Triple H because Sable was one of Triple H's floozies that Mark Merrill kind of took an interest in. And, you know, that you had the whole I'm going to rescue you from Dickhead McGee over here. But um, it was kind of downhill and. If you've ever listened to um, Pritchard's podcast, it's interesting. Uh, he his Sable episode it was like Mark Merrow and Mark Merrow came into the room, and they were like, "Oh yeah, well." Uh, and the minute his wife came into the room, they were like, "Well, we'll take the two of you." <laughs> <laughs> like so, they completely knew what they were what they were going to do. It was Vince was sold on the package, but Vince by Vince was sold on the package. Vince was sold on Sable. And then gradually phased out Mark. <laughs> it's like what happened with S.I. Rios. Yes, where, exactly. You know, the exact same uh, thing where it's like S.I. Rios came in with Lita and it's like, we'll take Lita by S.I., you know? 
But I think Mark had Mark Merrow had more of a Mark Merrow had always had something, and I loved his boxer gimmick as well. You know, there was it was an entertaining part of Raw in in those days. You know, like WrestleMania fourteen with him and um, him and uh, Sable against Goldust and Luna. You know, it wasn't top of the card stuff, but it was very very good. You know, attitude era stuff it was stuff you remember. And is it just me, or does he look like a swole prince? He does look like a small prince. Does he look like a jacked up prince? Because I'd fight Prince, but I wouldn't fight Mark Mm. (laughs) Merrow. Well, isn't he a two times uh, gold gloves winner? Isn't that his gimmick? Or is that true? And I I got injured at one jujitsu lesson, so I'm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll have you know that he's a one time Intercontinental Champion and a three time World Television Champion. So, you know. Fair play, fair play. Um, so yeah, uh, Goldust would get the. Sorry, no, Goldust wouldn't get the win here. Uh, Mark Merrow would get the win here, and it would be Goldust's first of two losses on the night. One of which we'd only see because the next was a dark match. But before we move on, Tristan, what did you think of this match? Do you have anything to add? Uh, I've got some things that aren't really related to the match, but I've, I've made notes and I'm seeing them again. What this podcast is all about. That's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> someone had. I can't. I don't know which of them had, because they both had like gold stuff in their entrance. But someone had glitter in their entrance, and it's there for the entire rest of the night, and it's all over <laughs> everybody. It's everywhere. I mean, everyone's glitter is the tool of the like, devil. So yeah. every match, everyone's covered in glitter. Like even the main event, everyone's covered in glitter. Um, I've got a note here. I don't know what I mean by it. I said Goldust has Hank Hill's arse. <laughs> no, he's a Tristan. <laughs> Tristan, <laughs> have. Gold Gold Dust Arsh is eating his one piece. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, there's there's one really really good dive in the match as well, where like because they didn't have, you know like everything now like there's all these huge dives and everyone's got so much space. There's one where like Goldust is right next to the ring, and McMurray does like a flip little dive onto him, and he catches him perfectly. And I was like, that's like that's a proper dive. It's not, like you know now he'll jump at you and just kind of push you and then you take a bump off it. It's like no, like he lands on him and he catches it perfectly. It's like you don't see that. And then there is some dodgy dollar stuff in this one as well. Um, not as bad as you would get with gold dust, but there is somewhere towards the end of the match, he I, I, he says something to like to Vince about like oh gold dust wouldn't make it with the, the don't ask don't tell policy. Oh Jesus! Oh my God! Vince very quickly is like. Oh yeah, but but you you mean you mean the U.S. Army? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Jerry just has to go like, no, here in the WWF. It was like, but, like what the fuck? <laughs> Fitz is gone. They do. No, he couldn't be gay. He's he's got a hot woman sucking on a cigar. Come on. <laughs> but they do feed into that because obviously Goldust uh, goes face very very soon after this, as in between. Between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, he goes full face. And part of that is being on the King's court and King, mm. the King asking him very, very pointed questions, yeah. uh, which kind of got the, oh, reaction. So it's uh, maybe. Springer approach. Exactly, but, exactly. But so this, was, um, like, you can't deny how effective the Goldust character was because mm. one of the biggest noises on the whole night comes from... Um, Goldust has Mero in like a looks like a almost like a reverse suplex or like a stinger splash mm. position, and when he reaches down, you know when you, you 
do the suplex, you reach down to go for the tights. Mm-hmm. But instead of reaching down to go for the tights, Goldust like slides his hand down his stomach <laughs> towards it. And the crowd is just going nuts. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's like a good or a bad or whatever it is, but it's a bloody reaction. Like they're going wild for it. But I remember that like, 100% exactly the same as what you're saying. Um, when uh, Goldust was um, feuding with Ahmed Johnson, and it was at the end of <laughs> yes. Raw, yes. and Ahmed Johnson got knocked out, and Goldust went to <laughs> oh give him God. the kiss of life. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was a backstage segment, and you could just hear the crowd going, oh! <laughs> Do you know the story behind that? Go on. Ahmed Johnson didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> so the next thing, he opens his eyes and Goldust is there, like sticking his tongue down his throat. And he legitimately goes for him, like the, he, he runs after him. <laughs> but it's funny because that's one of several things that at this stage, and you just said about the dives, and the dives obviously don't look like, and several times it'll come up in the, in the, in the main event, but dives looking like shit that look like they hurt the other person yeah. <laughs> yeah. is a big thing. And it actually kind of reminded me of Darby Allen because one of the things I like about Darby Allen is that he, he, he lays his shit in. And Magnus gets one bump later on. And uh, it really reminds me of that. But there's a, there's a lot of those kind of dives where people just, like, with reckless abandon, just... <laughs> but there's it's no like flip- we were talking about, like, a Owen Hart's heel kick. Like, it's mm. not the prettiest, smoothest, but it looks like it lands and that's mm. that's why me and um dave the other guy we do uh the show with me and him have a constant argument over who has the better buckshot lariat and he thinks it's that youtube wanker because he does like a pretty flip and i think it's hangman because hangman looks like he takes your goddamn head off yeah there's, you know no, what it there's is? no flippy dippy bullshit i will tell you exactly why i i prefer hangman pages Buckshot Lariat. There's a couple of things that Hangman Page does that completely takes me out of him. But one thing that he does is he always sells his own arm after it. If you notice, even when he goes down for the pin, he grabs his arm and he drops. And I absolutely love that. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like the when um, RVD would do the five star. Yeah, it just adds to it. So I just love talking to other wrestling nerds who pick up on like this. <laughs> but I tell you what I don't like. I tell you what I don't like. I don't like that he does that. He always every single match does that backwards uh, moonsault and never ever looks at where the person is. That brings me out of it. He never take. He never like. A, he just knows that the person is going. He never like just a, has a, has a, it's a leap of faith. So. <laughs> Bringing it back to 1996, lads, just real quick. <laughs> we were presented by the most 1996 screenshot ever. America Online, fake diesel, fake razor, <laughs> oh and two God. of these bricks of computers in what I can only describe as a fever dream, where <laughs> if you're Kevin Nash and Scott Hall going, what the hell is going on? I don't know. So that was bizarre. That was the thing that happened. And I can't believe they tried it. Jim Ross is there for some reason. Because he's obviously telling the nerds how to do things. And uh, yeah, then we go into a, a crowd shot of the arena, which, you know, had about 10,000 people. So it looks quite good. Get a nice shot of the 
the grave, which, you know, I was listening to some podcasts and they're saying, yeah, it was a real, basically it was a real grave that they put, they, they planned the entire set around. So everything else was fake except for the dirt. Um, and then it sets up an interesting match with a good video well, package. Ho- hold on, because... It's basically the co-main event, like. Well, hold, we're going we're gonna to talk about this match a lot, I suspect. Cause I know, yes. I, yes. I know Tristan and Kieran <laughs> have opinions yes. on this. So before we get into it, just before this match starts, I'm hoping someone can help me out here. There's a brief promo with Cornette. Hmm. And he says that who who is it he's with? He's with he's with he's with Vader. Vader, yeah. He's and Vader, he says, yeah. Vader's gonna go through you like X lax through, through a, a widow woman. Where, what is the what is what? a widow woman? widow woman? A widow a widow woman. X lax widow, widow woman. woman. What's she a widow woman? He can't be a widow man. <laughs> well, what's a widow woman? It was either that, I always thought it was either a widow woman or a whitter woman, but I don't know what a whitter woman is. 100%. I, I rewinded this about 20 fucking times, try it here. I, I thought he was saying either widow or widow woman, but then I was like, what's a, like, do widows shit a lot? Like, <laughs> oh, God, my husband's dead. Better go to the bathroom. Like, what is. I, I was I was completely lost, but I was just hoping, yeah, maybe someone else had picked it up. Tristan, you, you looked like you were looking through notes there. Do you have a? <laughs> uh, all my all my notes are not about that. They're about the match. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. my notes are not about that. <laughs> so, yeah. so as I said, this was the co-main event: Psycho Sid, Vader, and it would be to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship at Survivor Series. So. That is the stakes that we're going at. Uh, Shawn Michaels is the champion at the time. And yeah, he's not defending the belt on the show, at least. Uh, oh, but he would be wanker. at the <laughs> I, ha- I, I have to bring us back two seconds. Google what? says. Um, <laughs> I love this. There is this thing called Salt Through a Widow Woman. And it says Marissa in Tallahassee, Florida, is puzzled when a friend observes that coffee goes through her like salts through a widow woman, meaning that the beverage makes its way swiftly through her digestive system. The expression, which has been around since the 1860s, refers to the use of Epsom salts as a laxative. So Epsom salts came up with the expression, uh, goes through her like Epsom salts through a widow woman. And oh, so but he's well. just changing the Epsom salts to X-lax. So but is there it you go. widow? Widow? A woman. widow woman? A, wi- a widow woman? A widow a ber- woman? A bereaved, a bereaved woman? woman. <laughs> <laughs> but now it doesn't. It still doesn't make any sense. It only but raises at, more questions. At least, at least there is a, a pop culture reference, even though it's from the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> but it just raises. Oh Jesus! <laughs> we had something uh, right. like this a couple of weeks ago, Martin, as well, where we discovered the root of something as well from the 1980s, from the 1800s. <laughs> What is it about wrestling and random phrases from the 1800s? I can't remember what it was now, but... Yeah, but, but yeah, so so I was confused, but at least when I didn't know what it was, I was like, well, I must just be mishearing it. But now that it is Widow, <laughs> widow Woman, I'm even woman. more... Lads, you know what we need to do? We need to, we need to bring this back. We need to bring this back. That's going to go That's gonna go through here. Like, episode sells in a Widow Woman. I'm telling you, Dara, we've got the X-Pac Euro, we've got the Virgil tenor. We're going to have to come up with something really good for... Hold on, why is it a Virgil tenor? Why is it a Virgil tenor? 
I'm heavily so invested in Virgil, so I want to know this. So apparently, Virgil, like, if you ever, if like, if you meet him in like, like Spar, yes. or for a tenor, whatever the version of Spar is, like, if you want to like an autograph or shake his hand or take a take a selfie or anything, he'll charge you a tenor. So every day that's is a ten tenor. euro for the meat sauce. That's a tenor well, for the meat sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Jones. Who? <laughs> what are, what are our tiers, Dara? We've got the Xbox Euro Virgil Tenor, but there's something in between, is there? No, that's what we got so far. That's what we got. Oh, that's so far. it. Yeah, we we need to come up with some sort of fiver for the middle class. We could put the Widow Woman, <laughs> the Widow Woman fiver. God, Finley fiver. It'll it'll go through you like a fiver through a Widow Woman. <laughs> So at the start of this match, it's hilarious because there is glitter everywhere <laughs> when Sid is walking out. And, oh man, he's just drenched. And it's so funny. He's like, I've never seen a man just be so inappropriately wet as Sid Vicious <laughs> walking into the ring. And it's just dirt and glitter everywhere. It's a complete shambles. Complete shambles. And the worst and thing is, he's, he's obviously extremely fit, so it's not sweat. No, it's obviously he went in and, like, dunked his head in a pool of water beforehand. But, it, it I don't know, Sid Vicious is... <laughs> My favourite Sid Vicious moment is when he breaks his leg in WCW. So, I mean... <laughs> that's I think, my... I think my favourite Sid Vicious moment is on this show, but it comes later, so we'll talk about it then. Fair. Lads, what about you? What, what, where, where do you stand on Sid Vicious? Uh, Sid, Vicious Sid Vicious moment for me is my... My brain... My, what was it? my body is twice the size of yours and my your brain is half the size... What was that, that bra- fucking line? What was that line? My <laughs> brain is half the size of yours. That's another It's like, you're half the man and I have half the brain. And I have yeah. half the brain. <laughs> half the man that I... And I have half the brain. That you do. <laughs> <laughs> or else, oh, I'll bring you back. Favorite moment is when he absolutely destroys Brutus the Barber Beefcake on the set of the Barbershop. And he's, he's staring into the camera going, Hulk Hogan, at WrestleMania 8, you will meet the master and the ruler of the world. And his face is just covered in shaving cream. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out. That's off a Saturday night's main event. It's so funny. His face is literally covered in shaving cream. <laughs> so, for someone who's so wet when he walks out, right, when he gets into the ring, his hair just sets and it's like, you know, do you ever eat Coca noodles? Yes, that's exactly what it's, it's like, like. That's what it looks like. Not even the, the, the wet ones, just dry Coca noodles. That's what his hair is like. And you're like, I'm so confused by Lex Luger. It's, it's, uh, Sid well, Vicious, sorry. It, it's so, not Lex Luger. That's a different conversation. Lex Luger too, though. Lex Luger too, yeah. <laughs> it, it, they're kind of pretty much the same. Um, and then, so the two lads come out. Vader comes out, obviously, with, with Jim Cornette. Here, before, before you get into the match, Dara, there's, um, there's two things to say about this before it starts. So, before this match even began, there is a whole promo package. All video about package. the power, but video, sorry, video package. All about the power bombs. It's yeah. entirely, and this will play in later. I'm sure Tristan and Colin have something to say about it, but it is entirely 100% focused 
on the power bomb and who has the best power bomb and who's going to do the power bomb and who's going to win the match with the power bomb. <laughs> and the other, the other thing, and like we can all slag him, and believe me, I'm going to slag him in a couple of minutes. But uh, one thing you have to admit, Sid is over as fuck. fuck. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Jesus, he's uh, this is amazing shot where he stands up in the ring and the camera pans back the whole crowd and the crowd is going haywire for him. Mm. He's very much he's it's like like uh, Colin was saying about how this pay per view kind of bridges the gap a little bit between New Gen and um, Attitude Era. Yeah, like he's he's still very much of the. Um, the old WWF uh, idea of the big man, you know, like the airport mm. test. And yeah. like that still obviously plays with the crowd because Absolutely. nobody's, nobody's going mad for his, you know, his, his Mark Merrow level work mm. rate, but <laughs> like people are losing their minds here for Sid. Oh, you know Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what the funny thing is, though, like, and I noticed this with Austin as well, because like, I was like in my teens watching, you know, this as it was rolling out. And I remember Sid Vicious or Sid Justice or whatever, no, just Sid Psycho Sid was my, was by far my favorite wrestler at the time, just because of he was everywhere. And you remember those promos with the curtain and the WWF logo at the back? He yeah. was on Superstars, Challenge, blah, 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 cutting these fucking crazy promos. But as a counterpoint to that, but Austin, we didn't know what to make of him at the time mm. because it was just like he was at this stage, he was just running his mouth night, noon and morning about Bret Hart. So without being in the litmus test of, you know, oh, well, the crowds are going mad for him. Like we were like that fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin's the worst of the worst. <laughs> Where, whereas we were like, you know, throwing babies in the air for Sid. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember watching Superstars when uh, Shawn Michaels announced that Sid was going to replace the Ultimate Warrior at international incidents. Cause obviously because the Ultimate Warrior got fired mm. and Jim Cornette just going absolutely bonkers. And me and the brother were in the room going, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. But Austin was there and he was cutting his promos and it was everything. I was like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. but it was the power of, you know, the machine of watching wrestling without the internet. Yeah. To kind of tell you, to tell you what you were supposed to like. Yeah, exactly. I mean. It worked. It worked because you weren't yeah. like... Wasn't it genuinely... Wasn't it better? Like, like Daryl tell you, at the end of our show, Daryl does all the Twitter links and everything. Mm. I, I don't even have one because when I got back, like, so, like, most of the wrestling fans, I had a big old period where I just... Fuck this shit. Um, and then I got back into it around the time Becky Lynch got big, mm. you know, Got an Irish girl doing well, and and then uh, after that, sort of AEW came around, and I got really into AEW. And my God, like I felt this enthusiasm for it that I hadn't felt in years, mm. and really energized me. And then I went on Twitter, going, "Oh my God, all these wrestling fans are on Twitter." And within about six months, I deleted Twitter because it just sucks the joy out of anything it's the absolute worst twitter for wrestling is the absolute worst oh yeah like no twitter just, yeah it's the worst don't do but, it 
but uh, even Tr- Tristan will tell you, and this is this is my biggest detriment of um, fucking Twitter and with wrestling. Oh my god! I, th- I, thought you I, said, I thought you were going to say this is my biggest detriment of Tristan. Oh, this is it. <laughs> right here. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big AEW fan. I'm go. I'm going over to watch them in in uh, in London. Oh, I'll uh, see you there. But I'm also a huge Jim Cornette fan. And I watch every episode of Dynamite and every episode of Rampage and listen to every episode of the Cornette podcast. And this, there is a, you know, a, a hilarious thing that Cornette absolutely hates AEW. And he 100% doesn't. He likes an awful lot of stuff on AEW. He just dislikes an awful lot of stuff on AEW. No, but he is honestly, very, very 50-50 as regards what he likes and what he doesn't like. So it's it's just an unusual. You know, you know what it is. Thing. Like, I genuinely believe this because I, I'm I'm the same as mm. yourself. I'm a huge huge AEW fan, but I also have my thank you fuck you bye T-shirt. Like, mm. absolutely, big Jim Cornette. I think Jim is at a stage in his career where he knows that the podcast is it. Yeah, he's he's had he's had too many flubs in that. You know, like the <laughs> the. Ethiopian comment mm. and all that. Like he's not, he, he's not coming back on any shows. He knows what his podcast audience is, and they, for whatever reason, hate AEW, and he leans into that because that's what they want to hear. But I'm kind of like you. I don't think he believes the half of what he actually says. But you know what the thing is? I think. Because he really, really does. If you listen to the, if you listen to the show, he really wants AEW to succeed. He just is very, very frustrated at some of the things they do. And as an AEW fan, I can agree with him. <laughs> and that's where I sit with AEW as well, because I get TNA flashbacks, and I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I was like, hey, Cody, um, the United States and the uh, the and the USA are not at war. <laughs> so I don't know what your beef with, with Anthony Agogo is right now. <laughs> there, I can say something bad about Cody. Well, here, uh, I'll tell you what, I think, like, and me and Dara actually had a crack about this last week, like, the WWE fans are big for Cody at the minute, mm. but that relentless babyface shtick Oh, yeah. That is going to because that's what happened to him in AEW. He was perfectly primed to turn heel, and he refused to turn heel, and people got sick of that shtick. Like he's he's riding high in WWE now because he's the you know he's the guy who jumped from AEW, but they will get sick of that white meat baby face stuff really quickly. But they always do. They always do. They yeah. always do. We've seen it with Cena, we've seen it with Roman Reigns, but I don't know, I just think, I don't know. Hell, even Bret Hart had to turn heel, and we all agree completely and emphatically and unanimously that he was the greatest wrestler ever, so. Absolutely, but. We all agree. Move on, move on. 100%. (laughs) Every time Cody puts a promo, I'm believing that that's not going to happen, because he seems to have learned from the mistakes of AEW and he's not bringing Brandy in, even though I'd fucking love to see it. <laughs> the story needs to Just continue. Just because the Jay Cargill thing. 
the Butch Reed promo on Jay Cargill, I was like, make this ain't an happen. open mic night. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I but, I, think... but I think he is making the same mistakes because... Really? At, yeah, because at Night of Champions, right, he went in there against Brock Lesnar, the guy who ended the Undertaker streak, with a broken arm. He went toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar with a broken arm and then hung on to the Kimura in a broken arm for like a minute and a half and didn't tap out, eventually just passed out. Like, you're going to push that and push that and eventually people are just going to... Like, again, what happened in AEW was, like, obviously nobody liked Brandy or the Nightmare Collective. (laughs) Shite. Solo, Camarato, (laughs) Agogo. But... The, the the main thing that happened Cody in, in AEW was that he, like, so he did this interview where he says, oh yeah, by the time I'm 40, 45, I want to be out of wrestling, mm. and I kind of want to get into politics, so I won't, I don't want to be a heel. And he refused to turn heel. And he was, like, Daryl will tell you this, like, I was in complete denial at the time we were doing these shows. I was like, no. Cody's poised for the greatest heel turn of all time. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. But I think it happened. I think it happened. I oh, actually yeah, think that it 100% happened. <laughs> I honestly do. I think that the heel turn happened with that Aaron Anderson outside of his house with the barrel. I think that was the heel turn. But I think it was meant to be. But he, he wouldn't commit to it. He wouldn't like... But anyway, the point is, I think, that he, he stuck to this white meat baby face thing and I honest to God think he's going to do the same in WWE mm. and the fans are going to get sick of that really quickly. So Because they, they always do. So Shawn Michaels came out. Sorry, Dara. I knew this show was going to get uh, railroaded by Cody Rhodes at some stage. That's okay. <laughs> I let you guys go. This is why we need go. Dara. He's the responsible uh, uh, pre- presenter. I feel so sorry for LA Knight now. <laughs> <laughs> so Shawn Michaels came out. Uh, he was obviously the, the, the special guest and the, the, the third man in the booth. Uh, and he's the champion as well. He didn't bring the belt, which is weird. Um, and then we had the match, obviously. Um, but you set up something there beforehand, and lads, I'm gonna let you get into this as well. That this was supposed to be powerbomb versus powerbomb in a match that no powerbombs were used in. <laughs> <laughs> so Tristan, so Tristan, everyone's too, everyone's too big. They can't do the power. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, and I. <laughs> No, but here's the thing. So Vader's one of Vader's moves is the Vader bomb, in which he gets up on Brett's rope, spreads his legs as wide as he possibly can, and bounces. Now nobody is expecting Sid to haul Vader up, especially not in his current state. This isn't New Japan or WCW Vader, and that's a whole other very sad conversation. But nobody's expecting Sid to haul Vader up. But for God's sake, he's when he's on the middle rope and bouncing, surely you could contrive a spot where Sid comes underneath him. You know, and all he has to do is walk two steps forwards and fall. No. Yeah, even the choke slam he does at the end is a bit you know, terrible. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a Hulk Hogan level choke slam. Yeah. 
and he lands on his knees because he's like, he's like, he doesn't even like really follow through. He just kind of goes like, uh, and that's it. But here's what I wanted to show you, folks, because on the back, and Martin, you've seen this. Everyone's seen the promo, right? Power on the back of this video, it says Psycho Sid versus Vader. Powerhouse match. <laughs> bastard. Those absolute <laughs> carny bastards. Powerhouse match. That's <laughs> on the back of the video. So they fucking knew it. They knew it. Yeah. <laughs> that that was going out to print with Powerbomb match. And then someone went, no, 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 bring that back. We can't. We can't. Because I knew that. Uh, I power, power washer. Power hose. Going in. Uh, powerhouse. 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 Quick, print it. Print it. <laughs> Get the tipex out. Go, go, go. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and the finish would, would come with a choke slam of all things. A very weak-looking choke slam, and then it would set up... Uh, it, well, look, it was weird because Shawn Michaels went into the ring before the match, and he was all, like, friends with, with Sid. Hmm. So, what was, the, what was going on here? Because at the end of it, he was obviously saying some talking some smack to him and obviously they're both faces here so but they were friends at the time because what happened was that as, as I, I said earlier on basically the in your house before this was international incident where mm. the ultimate warrior was supposed to be the partner of Shawn michaels and ahmed johnson against team cornet so essentially what happened was um ultimate warrior got fired and vince was on one of his sid kicks so Sid was like, "How about Vince? Pal? How about Sid, pal?" So brought back, uh, brought back Sid, and basically Shawn Michaels had been lobbying to get Sid back because he hated working with Vader, and at that right. point, the the plan was for Shawn Michaels to lose the belt to Vader at Survivor Series, but because he didn't, he hated working with him so much. What they did was they just switched it up and Vader became Sid in everything going forward. So they, until that night, were friends. But the seeds were sown by JR throughout the night. Because if you notice, when he came up um, in Sid's interview, I don't know if this is on the network, but I watched it on the, on the, on the VHS. Sid is doing an interview with Doc Hendricks beforehand. JR comes up to him and steals the mic and goes, eh, the last time you were in a ring with Shawn Michaels, you powerbombed him five times, blah, 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 blah. So it buried in people's heads that that had happened. That after WrestleMania, WrestleMania 11, Shawn Michaels had been powerbombed five times by his friend Sid and had put that seed of doubt in people's minds. So that was kind of, I think the after was like, well, we're friends now, but you remember... The shit that happened. We we have a little series mm. on the show here, or a little running gag. Um, but it's just me. Has it? Dara doesn't really know about this, but it's called Sean Michaels is a whingy little bitch, <laughs> and uh, this is this is one of the examples. Mm. I absolutely love Vader. Love Vader. I, I admit that when he got to WWF, he was not like his his best self. Mm. But, um, yeah, he was, like you say, he was poised to do something really great. And then because of Michael's whinging, and uh, as me and Dara discussed previously, because of the pictures Michael's has of himself and Vince in bed, um, <laughs> Michael's, 
Michaels could do whatever he wanted, so he, he screwed up Vader's uh, career. And that's one reason of 826 why I will never forgive him. I'm not a big Shawn Michaels fan either, so I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> and also, I'm just going to say this. Vader was not out of position for that elbow drop at SummerSlam. Yeah, fuck you, Sean! He was fuck not you. out of position for that. He could have easily hit that elbow drop. <laughs> That's we need. We need. Talks about. <laughs> we need wrestling rewind T-shirts that say Vince screwed Brett and Vader was in <laughs> position. Macho Man hit Ventura. The laces were in. Yeah, it was a little bit tight, Peter, but you know, bam, Macho Man drops that elbow. Yeah, <laughs> but I love um, I love like uh, reading Mick Foley's book when he talks about mm. wrestling Vader. So like, like aside from wrestling, people talk about Vader and like just the highest esteem. Like Mick Foley talks about him as being the nicest guy. Bret Hart talks about him as being like a oh, you know, he has this terrifying image, but he's like really intellectual and what do you have like a master's or a phd or something and blah blah and then sean michaels um, he went up to like um real estate after he was finished in wrestling so he was well qualified uh, absolutely and then sean michaels like "Eh, he hits me too hard bitch (laughs) this is it and it's so funny because sean michaels had been literally feuding with fucking diesel and if you ever watch uh, if you watch good friends better enemies god damn Kevin Nash lays in those. Do you see those forearms? And it's one of the reasons I love that match so much. Those forearms just go boom in the corner. So, you know, as regards someone being stiff with him, when he is, you know, with somebody who he likes, he fucking loves that shit. Because he takes them and he goes, but he just didn't like Vader. Although Mick Mick Foley says at the start of his book, he's like, uh, some guys lay stuff in and it looks like shit and some guys barely touch mm. it and it looks amazing it's like Vader left no, no room for mistake mm. Vader just <laughs> looked, looked like it killed you and it did if kill anyone, you if anyone would know <laughs> Mick Fo- although one one thing I will say in Shawn Michaels defence and this is the only thing I'll ever say is that apparently one of his complaints was that sometimes Vader would go home for the weekend, you know, after the show, mm. and then forget to wash his gear, wash the gear yeah. leave his gear in his bag, and then come back and wrestle. Now, I used to, or trained, I, it's, a, it's a bit of a stretch to say that I wrestled for him, but I trained and did a couple of shows and refereed and that for a company in Cork called Phoenix. But we were doing um, promos once, and I went down and did this promo, and they were like, oh, it was great, but you need to do it again in wrestling gear. And I was like, I don't have wrestling gear. So one of the guys there was like, oh, here, look, I have a one-piece, like a leotard or whatever. I was like, throw that on. And I was like, grand, thanks. And it was the one he had worn the night before at a show we did. Hadn't been washed. I swear to God, I've never smelled anything like it. Took three weeks to scrub <laughs> to, to stench off me. Um, so I can understand his concern around the game. If, if the signal was a tag team, it would be head cheese. 
<laughs> but that was the thing with it. With uh, as regards with Vader, like that's the, that's the. It's, it's what everybody says, but at the same time, like I feel really bad for Vader because it was kind of like after that Vader became like a little kind of lamb, and he was very oh. afraid of like you know when he was wrestling like Bradshaw. Like yeah. Bradshaw was like was like oh no just do this and do that and Vader was just like oh no do whatever you want to be it like literally emasculated him yeah. from what he was which from- is which is terrible because I love I'm a huge Vader fan from Japan to to WWF I loved his his tag team with with Mankind that loved his tag team with Mankind Vader in Japan and mm. maybe to a sli- but only a slightly lesser extent Vader in WCW mm. was legitimately terrifying mm. and it wasn't because of his mask or because of the the big helmet that did the the gas or anything like that it's because he got in the ring he looked like he was going to fucking kill people <laughs> it was because of the white castle of fear <laughs> and i think that was the white po- castle of fear <laughs> and i think that's a good point since we're talking about killing people the buried alive match is the main event the first ever. Dara, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know you're trying to keep things on track here, <laughs> but but honestly, God, it's it very quick. It's just before we get to the very live match, there was a very quick promo. With oh Sabe. my God! It That's was. it. Colin saw it. It's the, the, the Tristan. Did you pick up on this amazing promo with said? Maybe. So <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll read it. I'll word for. I I wrote it down. I loved it so much. Right. So, um, uh, uh, JR says, that, as we were talking earlier, JR asks, said, it's like, you powerbomb Sean Marcus five times. When you go face to face with him in the ring, are you going to be friends or are you going to do what it takes to win the title? <laughs> and Sid says, the question is simple. Not, not the answer is simple. The question is simple. I'll do anything I have to, to, uh, to, uh, to go to my destiny and to make my conquer <laughs> 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 best promo ever oh, highlight of the show <laughs> so Sid did get the win and set up the main event uh, the main event for next pay-per-view but we have uh, yeah a match that isn't for a world title isn't for anything really it's just that they hate each other that much we have a match that we're assured that someone is going to be buried alive. And that's what we got. We got Mankind against The Undertaker. The Undertaker in a transitional period where he's still wearing the gloves, but he's a lot more aggressive than he would be as the dead man, which is really cool to see. And you have Mick Foley. He's not wearing the shirt yet because he's not corporate. He's still using his his Mankind, you know, uh, his, his entrance music that he arrived with. And he's wearing the, the old gear as well. Um, this match is actually very good. It's very, very good. And uh, you know, it's there's been a few buried live matches. A lot of them aren't great or they're more gimmicky. This match was a match that was funny enough built around a gimmick, where you know the match itself was there as like the 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 starter. But yeah, the whole goal was to get them to that uh get them to that grave, and then have a match around there as well it was very good some phenomenal spots in this it really was a wordy main event and i wish i wish more buried live matches were like this but uh tristan what do you think about this before uh before we move around the room uh i have I have some notes one note just for colin where i made a note like after 
Undertaker came in second, I think, didn't he? And he had like his, his big yeah. entrance. Yeah, his and entrance is amazing. <laughs> I just put big smoke vape question mark and then I put it back. <laughs> Touchy. Put it back to <laughs> um, yeah, there's some stuff in this as well, like where no one cared about their heads at all in 1990s. All. Like in, in all in the in the promo package, like um, I think Undertaker gets hit in the head with the urn, but like. Paul Bear does it for real. He just hits him for real in the head. <laughs> and like the first thing that happens to Mick Foley in this match, I don't know if he gets pushed off the apron or if it's on the outside, but oh. he just throws the back of his head into that railing for real. And you can just and like, think. Yeah, like you can see it's his head. Like he, he could just hit it with his shoulders or he could put his hand up, but it's like, no, he just throws his head into I, the railing. I literally have a note here that just says, Mick bumping like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> But even that, it, there's a spot in the match where they do a series of uh, small packages. Mm. And it's like, that's that's incredible. <laughs> the fact Fair that they're both, and I guess it's because they're not broken down yet. That's the thing. They're just able to move around like people. You know? I, I agree with you, right? I bought this video when I was like 14 years of age. I got it on mail order and I hadn't watched it for years. And what I remembered was The Undertaker, small packaging, mankind off the mound of dirt. <laughs> insane. And making what? it look like a move that killed mankind. Like, <laughs> it, do you think, it was just, do you think just a violent like, thing. Like, But do you think like what happened there was like Mick was like, yeah, suplex me off the thing. And Taker was like, no, what are you talking about, you little tech? I'm not going to su- suplex you off. It's like, no, no, do it. I'll, I'll be grand. And, and Taker was like, no, Jesus, I'm not doing that. Um, but it just looked great. Like, it looked fantastic. <laughs> it's just, you just like, no, it, it did. It genuinely did. But it's just like, you just don't expect The Undertaker mm. to do small packets. That's it. But as Dara said, like, this was the medium between eye rolling, sitting up, moving in slow motion, and let's say SummerSlam 98. Undertaker, yeah. Yeah. you know this was him. Like I'm just gonna try this a little bit more. See for his entrance, stick a hat and a coat mm. on him. Mm. Best version of the Undertaker. I agree. Absolutely, I Absolutely. agree. All, all it's missing is that is that extra wee bit of theatrics with the entrance. Mm. But Dara, hundred percent right. This still spooky, but far more aggressive, far more wrestling. Undertaker mm. is amazing. Absolutely. It, it, it's very much like the Undertaker that we'd see in 2005, mm. but his body Absolutely. isn't broke. Well, his body isn't broken down. You know, he, but, he's he's there. Like, but do you guys prefer? Do you guys prefer that version of the Undertaker? Because the next month of Survivor Series 1996 mm. is when he would debut the black ear, black shoulder pads, teardrop. Under the, the eye, you know, the teardrop. <laughs> because he's a Mexican like gang member who kills someone. All sorts of implications there, but you know what I mean. The teardrop under the eye, Undertaker, that would go from this until he turned into the Ministry Undertaker, and that started the next month at Survivor Series, where Paul Bearer was in the shark cage over the over the ring. Uh, no, but, I think I think this is like I do like Ministry Undertaker because of silly yeah. it is and how he got paid to literally do nothing. To just be spooky <laughs> yeah. for like two years. He's on Raw every week and he does nothing. He does nothing. But I tell you something, it's amazing how much shaving the top part of the beard 
it will make you care a little bit less about a person. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, well. <laughs> so, lads, what did you think about this match overall? And where you, like, the, 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 for me, the finish of it was, was actually pretty cool. It was a, mm. it was a choke slam. And, you know, obviously allowed Undertaker to get there. We'll, talk, we'll leave the smosh to the end uh, in, in a second. But uh, as a match, was it a complete meal for you? Were, were, were you satisfied with it or were you like, oh, that could have been better? Uh, I think some of it, like, it's very wrestling, some of it. Like, the the logic doesn't hold up that, like, when they would get to the grave. When they want to fight more, it's like, we better go back to the ring and then I'll put you back <laughs> yeah. in the grave. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's like, fair. Like, again, because like, well, it's a show, and that's the middle of the arena, so like, it has to happen there. And wrestling moves outside the ring don't work; it looks stupid. But, like, but um, even if they did some interesting stuff, like I have a note here. I'm not sure what I mean. I wrote "man in hole" and then uh, "not so fast, make hip toss." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but that hip toss like, looked. That hip toss from the top of the of the mound looked absolutely. Brutal. Yeah, like that that one hip toss where, where Mick just went to the bottom looked absolutely. Whether it was the camera angle or we would just make just with no like you know sense of well being for his body looked like a fucking car crash. <laughs> you know what was a, you know what was a surprisingly nasty spot too, and it's kind of surprising. You know when Mick just fucks the dirt into his face. Yes, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Man, that's you know, there's there's also a bit where they're outside the ring and Mick goes for a. Uh... I love that we're all calling him Mick like we know him. <laughs> <laughs> Mick goes for a pile driver yeah. and stops. And then you're like, oh, Undertaker's going to do the old backdrop spot. But he doesn't. He stands up and he, he holds his legs. So Mick's now hanging down the Undertaker's back. The Undertaker's holding his legs. And then the Undertaker kind of steps backwards and then falls into the steps. It's, oh, my God. <laughs> This is 1996. Calm down. Well, see, that's the thing. It's 1996, right? But it has spots like that. It has the use of the chair liberally, which is like, this is a match, and I hate to use the phrase, but it's true, ahead of its time. By at least least a year and a half. You've Undertaker running through the crowd, leaping over the barrier and clotheslining uh, mankind. It's amazing. But Dara, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this question to you. Right? Go on, go on. Because I know you're you and uh, and Martin are very much fans of the Attitude Era. Yeah. But the reason why I love '96 slash '97 is because with these matches, I feel like it's before they decided that we're going to market this, and that these things were happening on the fly. Mm. And were completely raw, and people were getting wiped out, and they just looked so much realer, and were presented in such a real fashion, mm. as in like that where you know we've said it before where 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 Undertaker goes for the basically a slide drop kick out to the ring, and and Mick Foley just goes bang into that guardrail, like it's. Nas, let's go out and like we're attitude era, pal. Blah 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 blah. We're going to take it to the extreme. It's like these guys doing it for themselves, yeah, and raising the bar, yeah. And because of that, even when the, there's very very, and it sticks out in my mind with this match, the Undertaker 
launches himself off the top rope onto Mankind very, very early few minutes of the match. And he lands and he looks like there's nothing graceful about it. But he looks like he absolutely kills him. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the realism, you know, compared see, to the that's year it, like, before. Yeah, the Aji Dara, from a match standpoint, with, mm. with exceptions, it's not good. There are no matches. They're not Absolutely. matches, the angles. Dara, we watched it. How many episodes of Raw <laughs> did we watch where we would go, oh, that was two, two episodes of Raw, and there were... Two minutes wrestling. Eight, eight and a half minutes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Eight and a half minutes That's of wrestling. It. You know, and it's, I, like, it's because re- wrestling wasn't the stuff. Like, it was, what, what did we say? It, there was no wrestling, but we were sports entertained. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, this is wrestling. I think it's, it's Dara's... Um, sorry, but we're calling saying is that this is the very, very short, but really enjoyable. Because like for anyone listening, I, I think we universally agree that we all love this pay-per-view. But this is the very, very short gap between the kind of the silliness of the new gen era mm. and like the Absolutely. ludicrousness of the attitude era where they yeah. were definitely going for characters and definitely going for storylines but matches still mattered. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a very concise point on that, you know, and it, it's funny though, because you say that and then the ending of it is all silly until it's amazing where, you know, it's, it's just the right amount of silly. It, that's true because it, they stick the landing. Oh, they stick the landing. When that hand comes up and the crowd explodes, um, it's, it's something, it's something else. It really is. It's, it's incredible. But, um, yeah, Tristan, what, do you do you have any comments to make on on this? Are, are we talking about the the match, or are we going into the? the we'll boxes? go. We'll go into the finish. We'll go into the finish. Uh, I think you can see at the end they hadn't actually thought about the logistics. Because <laughs> like, they get back out of there pretty quick, but then just have to bury Undertaker. And, like, I don't think the plan was to like empty the locker room and get them all to come out. I think it was just meant to be like making the executioner and Paul Bearer, but then <laughs> to have like people out and I even like people who weren't on the show even like I think was one of them Bradshaw. The Bradshaw Yeah it, Bradshaw Triple H. So in in, Mi- in Mick Foley's book he he talks about how uh they got the Undertaker in the grave. Now I uh, I think logistically in terms of how they work it is that there's in the middle of the grave there's some sort of door or something that comes across because they're throwing dirt into the grave and then the camera goes down and it's all very level and that but Mick was saying that yeah we were we were throwing and throwing dirt into the grave and we didn't realize how long it takes to fill a grave <laughs> so like they kind of just called out all the yes. heels Richard sent out Bradshaw and the whole lot. Bradshaw in his gear as well. Even though Bradshaw in his gear. gear. No, he was actually wrestling. He was on the he was on the the oh. the free for all. Yeah, oh. he wrestled. Who else? Savio Vega on the free for all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tristan. Go on. No, I didn't the, mean to. They do a good job as well. Um, kind of. I could have not talk about how long it would take, but they do a very good job. I know it's afterwards. It's like you don't co- you don't realize that. They show a lot of people digging for a while, but you never see the hole for no, like quite a bit. It's like it's it's very, it's it's a good sleight of hand. But I kind of like that though. I kind of like that 
it took time. And do you know, I loved Vince and and Lawler like back and forth, like just kind of trying to fill time, talking like you know. And Vince was like, <laughs> "Well, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to see something like this, pal." And uh, Jerry Lawler was like, "Well, I thought you know, you keep on waiting for something to happen, but I don't think anything's going to happen." Like that kind of that kind of stuff. Like, I love you that know, the two of them were there. I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is." We're basically well, like, watching a murder. Someone, someone should probably call the police. Uh, obviously not us, but someone should. But it's 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 a it's a funny thing that Cornette says. It was like in these situations, it's like you know what? Baby faces have no friends <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs> where was where was Mark Merrow then? <laughs> so what were you saying, Tristan? Uh, no, I was just saying that the. I think the last thing I said was just how, like it was it was Hollywood magic the way they, they did the slide of hand. It it kind of was yeah. I yeah. really, really now so I mean separately from the match, I'm kind of intrigued by the logistics of the grave because I noticed when Mick Foley got thrown into it, he lands with his head towards the top end of it, yeah. and then he very deliberately gets up and turns around and puts his head towards the bottom end. Now, I don't know if they had, like, obviously the grave was gimmicked, uh, but I don't know if they had, uh, like, pipes or levers or whatever it was. But it's just strange that he gets slammed into it and then immediately gets up and turns around and goes the other way. Basically, uh, according to the Something to Wrestle With podcast, there was a shelf on it that you basically when the Undertaker was in it, he could just push it over like it was a drawer and roll into it. And it was essentially... A big ass compartment. So when he's sticking his, because that is his actual hand that comes up, he could just stick his hand up because it was like a little room. Yeah, but that's what that's what Pritchard says on the something the rest of our podcast. So, but one of the uh, interesting things is that um, so it's a Taker who gets buried, but it's Taker who actually wins the match. Wins the match, yeah. He throws he throws uh, Mankind in the grave, and he he fills the grave enough that the referee decides, mm. all right, you're mostly covered in dirt. You've been buried alive. Uh, and then the executioner, mm. who is Terry Gordy, Terry Gordy, comes out, and he gets him out of the hole. He has to dig him up, dig him up, dig him, dig him up, up. <laughs> Um, to, <laughs> and that's why we chose Buried Alive to, to get him out of the hole and he does so successfully <laughs> I hope nobody gets that <laughs> I hope everyone does everyone should know it <laughs> I swear to god that song has been in my head for four days fuck the pair of you <laughs> but there's a brilliant there's a brilliant period of about, about eight minutes where this pay-per-view goes from WWF Bury Alive to WWF the council filling a pothole. It's just like just these lads just like you can tell like I I have the greatest respect for wrestlers. Wrestlers work incredibly hard. You can tell none of them have held a fucking shovel. <laughs> none of them know how to Two farmers from South Armagh would have filled that hole in 90 seconds. Like, Do you know what the funny thing is, though? I kept fixating on Bradshaw's coat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that Bradshaw too. kept that coat for his entire career. Yeah. 
it was just it was just unbelievably a coat that he was wearing at the time. <laughs> it in in terms of like the so Tristan, you said it was like perfect Hollywood mm. what was it, drama or nonsense? What did you say? Uh I'm just like with like the, the camera angle stuff was like it was like Hollywood magic, the fact like the, the very clever slide. Magic. Yes. It was for me it was almost perfect Hollywood mm. magic. So I love the burial. I love the I actually even even though it was like a on the fly sort of make good, I kinda loved all the heels coming out mm. because the story you can kind of retcon the story in your head going like, Oh yeah, the Undertaker's this Mm. unbeatable like as soon as as soon as anyone saw weakness all the heels like hyenas just came out and buried him alive i flipping oh wait we're on the with the post phoenix thing i cunting loved (laughs) the 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 fist coming up through the the only thing was the only thing was what should have happened was the fist should have come up and you should have seen it for two, three seconds and then McMahon should have gone, we're out of time, this is about blah, blah, I've gone to black. But what happened was the fist was up there for about 20 or 30 seconds and after the first few seconds of, oh my God, this is amazing, what's happening? It started to look like, kind of like the Muppets. It was yes. just, it, it was, was gratuitously just, there. It, it was, was just moving the hand. It's like it's like so the story is that the Undertaker's still alive. He's punched his fist up through the ground. And uh oh no, no, he's not gonna crawl his way out. He's just uh, <laughs> and also gonna... because it was a part that was like just there all the time. It was just like yeah, a little bit of a little bit of astroturf that was just there for the whole thing. <laughs> I could suspend my disbelief with that though. I I because here's the thing. I watched a video a little while ago. I think it was um Super Eye Patch Wolf or it was something else. And they were talking about uh again it is related, I swear. And they were talking about uh tricks that were done by um famous escape escape artists. And one of the ones that kills a lot of people is burying them alive. Mm. So I'm kind of like, oh no, <laughs> how are they going to trick this? Because usually the the way that trick is done, they have like a a, a glass coffin or a hard plastic coffin, and the minute the, the dirt hits them, that's it, they're dead. And some lad poured concrete in, and he was dead instantly. So it's just like, okay, so whatever. I, I'm okay with suspending my disbelief so they don't kill Mick or the Undertaker. Mm. Cause that would be horrible. Oh yeah, like taker, and it's in his name. Yeah, and like I have to say that, like, I mean, nitpicking a wee bit of stuff here, but like genuinely, like again, part if they if they'd have cut if the fist had come up and they'd cut off two three seconds later, perfect. But it's still nine and a half out of ten. It's it's perfect oh. wrestling nonsense. I have a question, Colin. That I have to ask you because I think you'll notice, right? So at the very start of the show, there's the cross graphic, right? Yes. Is that the origin of the Undertaker's cross? Because like it's the it's the first like it, it's the it, it's at the very start of the show. It's in the intro package, and it's those crosses that we'd see over and over again in the graveyard. Is this the first time he's really been associated with that? No. Or was it more kind of like SummerSlam '94? So, so he's been 94. using it that long. SummerSlam '94 had the cross. 
because okay. it was the Undertaker rising from the grave. Ah, of course, of course. And to fight, obviously, the other Undertaker. So there were, I don't know if it was in the graphics, but I remember superstars, and I remember Ted DiBiase in the graveyard with the Undertaker graphic came up with the Undertaker cross and the Undertaker logo, and it right. was the Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam 94. And that's oh, the first okay. time I remember the cross being associated. I could be wrong, but I very much remember that because it led this, into this, Undertaker. This guy, this guy <laughs> doesn't even have a wrestling podcast, and he knows more than us. <laughs> well, Fuck well, this guy. He's I have a true crime podcast. Sitting so there in his, in his nasty boys tonight. t-shirt. <laughs> He's in a band. He still has all his hair. What the fuck more do you want, man? Like, let us have this one thing, you dickhead. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's crazy because uh, that intro package has <laughs> literally all the stuff that would come back yeah. about 10 years later. Because when, once Undertaker moved into the ministry, a lot of that stuff kind of fell away because he became ministry Undertaker. And it seems like he had almost nailed this character completely at this point, And he went back to it 10 years later. But you know what I think? I think the thing is that, like, this was possibly the most Undertaker-centric pay-per-view since SummerSlam '94. Right. Uh, perhaps Undertaker and Brett at the Royal Rumble might have had the cross. I'm not completely sure. But as far as the graveyard, oh, cool. No, they didn't have graphics with the fucking Kamala Undertaker. Vibe no. at SummerSlam 92, oh, did they? I no, love I that so. though, with, the, with, so. with him uh, shaving the edges. Oh, I really yes. miss, I really oh, miss like, wood, Woodworker Undertaker. Oh, amazing. Do you know what I have to bring up? And you've just reminded me of it. What I love about this pay per view so much is, oh, go ball. I don't want to be buried alive. I don't want to be down there with the spiders and the worms. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, completely forgot about the promos. Because uh, back back in the day, I, I so totally remember those promos. No, you're going to defeat The Undertaker and blah, blah, blah. But Paul, I don't want to be buried with the spiders and the worms. <laughs> so, some, of these promos, and some of these promos throughout the show were ah. phenomenal. Especially SIDS, obviously. Um, <laughs> but but when I... I think because I'm such a long-time fan of McFoley and read all mm. the books and I have all the things, sometimes you forget just how, like, viscerally good he was. Like, Absolutely. really... Like, that original... Before the corporate mankind and before all the comedy mm. and before all that, like... When you think about how over Cactus Jack was, mm. and then he went into WDF and they were like, oh, we want you to do this goofy shit. And he was like, all right, I'm going to do goofy shit, but I'm going to fucking goof the shit out of it. And he was amazing. Like licking the chair. Just after he had like <laughs> delivered those, one of the most gratuitous chair shots, at least gratuitous sounding chair shots you will hear mm. in a long time. And he absolutely milked it. He took the chair, he brought it to it to his chest. He looked at it, he laid it down 
on the apron, put his head down. The camera came close to his face, and then he just licked it. Is one of the best visuals from this pay per view. It's just classic. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And look, you know, you know, we were surprised by this. This did take us mm. by, did take us by surprise. I'm not gonna lie. I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this. <laughs> 1996. You were expecting yeah. 1996. I was. I <laughs> genuinely was. And I mean, this is just a I'm not even 1996 mind games. Like. No, mm. just the absolute <laughs> prison shit. shite. The absolute <laughs> shit. That was a, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Because uh, they charged half as much for these... Uh, like 14 um, in, in Yeah, these in-your-house pay-per-views. And they were so hit and miss. Some mm. of them were actually great. Like the, the Canadian Stampede mm. one. Absolutely. Amazing. But, I mean, what, what are those? Like 15 of these in-your-houses? And like... Mm. Yeah, maybe ten of them are shite. But see, I I think I think it's got to do with the quality of look. The, as I said, there, there was a lot going on here. There was the un, unpredictability as well. But I mean, the Undertaker and Mankind had this feud going on for so long that there was such investment in it, and it had a unique spectacle as well. So it wasn't just like it was like I I think if the Undertaker had of Undertaker Mankind had like a a cage match, it still would have been good. But I don't think it would have hit the same way. You know, like even with the the Hell in a Cell, which would come two years later, the greatest lie ever told. Um, you know, <laughs> it would. Uh, what what, it, what it I love about it. the Hell in a Cell two years later is that a uh, uh, buried live ninety six Mick Mick Foley is like, "Hey, I want you to suplex me mm. off this two foot high mound of dirt," and the Undertaker's like, "No." It's too dangerous. Uh, two years <laughs> later, others like, "Hi, I want you to throw me off this sixteen-foot cell." And the Undertaker's like, "Yeah, fuck you, Mick." This well, might see, be a ri- ridiculously well, specific callback, right? One, but the Raw before SummerSlam nineteen ninety-eight. My God, I love this guy. Right? We need you. You're a you're a regular now. It's Undertaker <laughs> and Kane. Versus, it's Austin Mankind and Kane versus Austin Undertaker. and The Undertaker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's all like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, who's who? And, you know, The Undertaker ripping off the thing. And there's the part where The Undertaker literally goes through, his leg goes through the cell. And he's just hanging there. And they milk the shit out of it. And then Vince raises the cage up to protect The Undertaker. I think that is one of the most low-key and, like, not remembered amazing character moments for SummerSlam 98, as in, we were all like, no, The Undertaker and Austin are blah, 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 but haven't seen King of the Ring and seen, under, seen Mankind go through it. Then The Undertaker was there and he was like, oh, and the leg was gone through. And Austin was there waving a chair around. <laughs> and McMahon presses the button. And the thing raises up. And I don't know if anybody remembers that. But I was watching it recently. And I was like, that is so fucking good. I I (laughs) don't remember that. Oh, sorry, Dara, go ahead. No, but on that point, I don't remember that specifically. But even in this, Vince is commentating and he loves The Undertaker. It's crazy. It's like Undertaker has always been his boy. 
even back in 1990. Burley. It's Bukili, yeah. So, <laughs> so, lads, we have our legally distinct Bukili term. And, and we've <laughs> checked. It is legally distinct. <laughs> it's legally distinct. Um, Fuck off, I, Jay Hunter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, nothing sums that up more than the way Vince is with The Undertaker, which is they turn into a feud eventually. But mm. yeah, even in this as well, when Undertaker is being buried, the concern in Vince's voice is there, like, and it's like, whoa, that's a that's a subtle little little jab, you know, to come but back. There's nothing. There's nothing more emotive, and there's nothing that'll pull you in more than Vince being actually concerned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and people can say as much as they want about Vince being a shit commentator, but that Vince, hold on a hold on a hold kind of voice would really pull you it pull you into an angle like exactly. Yeah, and I'm, you ever seen a Batman, uh, Forever? Yes, of course. Yeah. So he puts like a Robin in this cage and whoever else in this cage and, and Batman has to choose. I swear to God, if you put Vince's entire family <laughs> in cages and The Undertaker, he would choose The Undertaker nine times out of ten and the only time he wouldn't choose The Undertaker is if Shawn Michaels was in a cage and Vince was particularly <laughs> horny. Is that because of the pictures that they have? Because Allegedly. of the pictures that Shawn Michaels has of Vince Anally penetrating him with his erect penis. <laughs> How about Luger though? Would Luger not look at look at the vascularity? No, <laughs> does the vascularity not figure into <laughs> that? Look at look at the vascularity. he wouldn't he wouldn't he, he wouldn't pick Luger because he goes Luger. I'm not gonna save you because I know. The fall won't kill you because of your vascularity. It's so funny because people are always like, Vince was 100% madly in love with Shawn Michaels. Watch any Raw from the early part of 1994. Ah, the, 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 the veins. Yeah, but it's like, uh, it's like people who are like really uh, like overtly, aggressively homophobic. Yes. And then they go, then they go home and fuck a twink. Vince was like oh I love beef oh I love veins oh I love meat and then he go back to the house and go oh Sean show me your scrawny arse (laughs) and on that note and on that note on that very visceral vascular note I think we're going to leave it there lad (laughs) so look we usually give the show a writing but I think it's, it, it, you know, it, at least B 8 plus. out of 10. B plus, yeah. 8 out of 10, nearly strong a 9 there. It's, you know, it's it just missing one or two things that would give it, like, perfect across the board. But uh, Colin and Tristan, well done, lads. You guys picked an absolute banger. An absolute banger of a show um, to, to to go there. But what, what rating would you guys give this? So me and Martin gave ours. I'd give it an 8. You know, I'd almost give it a 9. But the reason why I wouldn't go... No, I give it I give it an eight and I wouldn't go to the nine or the ten because at the time this show was actually panned. Really? Yes. Wow. Because it was a whole load apart uh, as regards Meltzer. And this is very, very interesting. 
He was like a whole load of matches with little build, no heat, but with great work rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't, for that reason, give it a higher grade than a C. Oh, well. So there you go. And that's very, very telling in 2022. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because he was he was mad about like Do you know that would have been a B in the Pokeo Dome. Absolutely. The Pokeo Dome. Absolutely. Sorry. The rock getting to me. I love the pay-per-view. I apart from apparently the, the match that pretty much you guys liked more than I did, which was the Owen Harris and British Bulldog match uh, versus the smoking guns, probably because I've seen the 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 one before that, which I I preferred. I actually liked pretty much every single match on the card, and I liked Vader against Sid as a power bomb match slash wrestler crap slash pretty decent. And I loved mm. the main event, and I loved the opener, and I loved actually really really enjoyed Mark Merrill versus Goldust. So it's a very very high on my list. Very cool, and Tristan, uh, easily seven and a half or eight. Like it's like it it can't be a ten because like Mania seventeen is a ten, and this is yeah. That's true. But like That's it's, true. Like it's it's barely even a pay per view because it's so short. So like you can't <laughs> like you, you can't call it like a perfect ten. But like it's to be fair though, I think that's a positive. The, yeah. the short, you know, Absolutely. it's short and sweet. Like I mean, it, it, it depends. Like in terms of a pay per view, yes, you don't want to be sat there for seven mm. hours. But at the same time, if you're throwing down money for something, you want mm. something substantial. Do you but, remember WrestleMania was fourteen hours? Mm. <laughs> but Martin and Dara, what I will ask you guys, right, is if you watch these pretty much from this one on, mm. two two hours until it went three hours, the two hours are at a breakneck speed, and you will see that with uh, JR and fake diesel and fake fucking razor, like coming out. It the whole thing is like so fast paced. Yeah. Like if this was an episode, a two-hour episode of Raw, with like five, like, like three stars to four and a half star matches, plus a whole load of magic going on with JR's mic, and <laughs> you would say that was an A episode of Raw. Oh, absolutely, the time. Oh. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, one of the major problems I have with the WWE pay-per-views there is that. There is so much shit that happens between matches. It's so slow. Oh, my God. It drags. Like, okay, so fair enough. AEW has its problems. But AEW would have a four-hour pay-per-view with, like, 12 matches on Mm. it, right? Mm. WWE would have a three-hour pay-per-view with five matches on it. And it, it drives me mad. Like, there's, like, easily... Uh, between the finishing bell of one match and then mm. and the starting bell of the next match, there's easily 20 minutes. It drives it's me It's unbearable. Yeah. And this thing just bang, blah. Yeah. Less, is, less is more when it's done correctly. And I mean, yeah, I can see why two hours, I can see your point, Tristan, where like two hours can be, can feel like you've been cheated. But if it's two hours well spent, that's perfect, but oh, I, you know, I love those two hours. Like, I like if this was three hours, it would start to drag on a bit. I think, like, yeah, exactly. Like, there'd be, there'd like to be some filler match or like 
the Bear the Life match would like keep going. Uh, the thing mm. going on, it's like it's, but like yeah, like, it's it's still. Like, I can't give it a ten, like a perfect pay per view, because like yeah. it's not the perfect pay per view. Yeah, it is true. a very good raw. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, even you know, if this had been, you know, the if this had been one of the the pay per views that we're talking about in two thousand and five, let's say, where it suffered from that exact thing where they had one match, but it was all filler and it had to be three hours. That kind of stuff turned people off wrestling because it's like it did. It doesn't have to be three hours, but at that point it was already established and people would have felt like they'd been shortchanged. So, I mean, I, it's funny because if this had been this pay-per-view, if this had been WWE, right? And Nitro was kicking its ass mm. at this point as well. So, I mean, that's probably why they're like, what we need to win. And by them needing to win, I think that this probably was, I'm going to say this, this probably was the perfect WWE product. This, this it, probably was it. But Dara, it was 100% superior to what WCW gave out at the time. Oh, which absolutely. Was ha- absolutely. Halloween yeah. Havoc 1998, which had two amazing matches, which was Jericho and Malenko and Rey Mysterio and fucking X-Pac. Yeah. And, and a brilliant set. And Hulk Hogan's toupee. <laughs> inexplicable toupee. Apart from that, people look back for two good matches on Halloween Havoc 1996. We I mean, did a. Did we do a film terrible. review? We did. Yeah, where we the dog gets thrown in the water for no reason. We did a. We did a film review of some of Hulk Hogan's matches recently, and there's one where, where Hulk Hogan, for some reason, wearing a toupee, takes on the IRA. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> yeah. what, what was it called? I'm holding up a DVD of No Holds no Barred. Holds barred. Did, but No Holds Barred is actually Hulk Hogan versus the IRA. So we... No, no, there's there's a... What, what was it? Oh, I'm actually going to... There's a, What was the name of the movie we reviewed recently? I can't, I, remember, I can't remember, I, man. Oh, man, I sent Dara a gif of it. It's so terrible. It's, it's, it's <laughs> amazingly worth watching. There's a bit in it where Hogan... Walks up to his um, this woman he's broken up with, and he's like, "Hey, I see you're getting on all right without me." She's like, "I've moved on." Whatever your name, Hogan. I'm just gonna say Hogan. That's Hogan. I've, I've moved <laughs> on, name. Hogan. I've moved on. I'm I'm doing well for myself. And Hogan goes, "Yeah, I knew you never needed me." And she's like, oh, <laughs> "Let me well, I'm doing whatever." And then, and then Hogan turns around and it's raining and he goes to walk away, walk away in the rain like all sad. And then he turns around and he goes, oh yeah, one more thing. And then he just holds up a ring. <laughs> he just holds up a ring and goes, want to marry me? No, I think, I think he says, want to hold on to this for a little while? Oh, do you want to hold on? Oh, well, it's the most, it's the most ridiculous hold on I'm, I'm gonna look this up it's the most no. ridiculous thing I, the whole time i was watching it i kept sending dara and dave like gifts from it you know what, what color knee done? pads was he wearing <laughs> you know what she should have done she should have said the whole lines the way um ultimate warrior did hulk oh hulk. Hulk. <laughs> hulk. okay right Hogan. right lads we're gonna play hulk. a game right Go we're on. gonna play a game so this, I have it here in front of me. This Hulk Hogan movie, it's from 1998. Okay. It is the most 1998 action movie name you've ever heard. 
So I'm going to give you each one guess at what you might one. think. Okay, think I'm not. Be. I'm not going to Google it. I think I know what so, it is, but I'm going to. I'm going to. I won't guess first. I'll let someone else guess. Right. I'm going to start with Tristan. The most 1998 action movie name. What do you think? It has to be a one-word name, and it has to be like an adjective of a name, <laughs> or like like not like a noun. Like it's it's, it's a word of a name. Uh, Smelly. <laughs> or like brother. something like redemption, but not redemption. Redemption's, redemption's hard. Just guess. Redemption's a good guess. Colin, what do you think? Retribution. Oh, they, was yeah. it? No, was it? No, I was going to say because you're both wrong. The latest, the latest one I know is Attack from Witch Mountain, and the only reason I know it. Is because seven days after buried alive, he wore the same wig that he wore in Attack from Witch Mountain <laughs> on the fucking pay per view against Macho Man Randy Savage. But everybody well, knows is, what he looks like. That's well, this is a this is a, a short haired Hogan. Oh, can I guess? Can, can I guess? Dara, what do you think? Okay, is was it Maximum Impact? Or, sorry, Maximum Overdrive. Is that what it was? Oh, Dara, that's such a great guess. But was, that what it was? was that what it was? No, but no. It's, a, it's along the right lines. But ah, it's not. damn, I thought that's what it was. Right, what was so, it? So, 1998, Hulk Hogan action movie. When, uh, when, <laughs> this is amazing. When mercenary hardball cutter discovers <laughs> that the team, that the team he is <laughs> <laughs> that the TV is working with is actually a group of IRA gun runners. He decides to put a stop with their plans. Furious with Cutter, the gun runners target him, his partner, and his family. And the film is called The Ultimate Weapon. Ah. Oh. <laughs> the Ultimate Weapon. The Ultimate Weapon. Because it's about guns, and he's also a weapon. Well, yes. Are the guns the ultimate weapon, or, or is he... in fact, is hardball cutter the, <laughs> the ultimate weapon? You know, and, and people are like, "Colin, the... Colin you're really going to have to say that again because I went for a pee." Colin, was Colin, the ran the off, Colin ran off for a wank, so I'm going to have to. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. So the the summary is: when mercenary hardball cutter. <laughs> Discover, <laughs> discovers that the team he is working with is actually a group of IRA gun runners. Jesus Christ. He decides <laughs> to put a stop. <laughs> he decides to put a stop to their plans. Hulk Hogan is a unionist, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan votes DUV. Well, let me tell you something, Jerry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> even more proud now. That I'm blocked by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Notable racist, Hulk Hogan. No way. Yeah, he blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> Do you know who else he blocks? Jerry Ooh. Adams. Jerry Adams. <laughs> Furious. Jerry Adams. <laughs> you, what? I, I actually blocked by Jerry Adams. Right, what did you do? Because I said, come to Ireland, you sexy bastard. To one of his <laughs> tweets, I repeated and he blocked me. So. Oh. <laughs> Maybe he was thinking, I'm already in Ireland. That's a sexy bastard. But to be fair, I was being a, an absolute <laughs> prat, so it's okay. See, uh, see, but, I'm, uh, see I, I'm proud I was blocked by Hogan because I was calling out the racism. 
Ah, yeah. And then he blocked <laughs> me. <laughs> so I said something out. like, I said something like, you know who else used H H at the end of his tweets? Another notable racist. Oh, <laughs> Hunter Hurst. Hitler. <laughs> Adolf Hitler, brother. Brother. So furious with Cutter, the gunrunners target him, his partner, and his family. And the name of the movie is The Ultimate Weapon. <laughs> Which are the shears, because the it's shears a... are a part of me. <laughs> the movie, by the way, is available for free if you've Prime Amazon okay. or Amazon Prime, and I definitely recommend you get drunk and watch it and apparently we apparently we did a show on it that i don't remember but we will put it back up on feed is the ultimate weapon not uh elizabeth's little swimsuit (laughs) (laughs) that was the secret weapon (laughs) don't even talk to me but i did a whole thing about um people talking about if you had a time machine who would you go back in time and ride and i was like (laughs) elizabeth in the 80s Sunny in the nineties and Maud gone in the nineteen hundreds. I feel like Raiden. I I feel like you could combine those two, and Maud gone and Elizabeth combined would be Sherry Raiden in nineteen eighty nine. Look into the eye of the madness. Content retainer. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. This is going to be a five-hour podcast. I'm watching no. the time here. This is it's this is typical. Normal. This is typical for Dara starts every podcast like really hopeful. I was like, all right, Martin, be a tight, tight sixty minutes, tight ninety minutes. <laughs> well, if you uh, want to, if you want to take next week off, I can probably go to the and then it always ends up at like two a.m. at Dara going. That's that's all we've got, folks. <laughs> uh, one and thing I do want to say to you, right? And I did want to say from the start. This pay-per-view, right, was a really, really interesting one for me because I had stopped r- watching wrestling about the end of 1994. Hmm. But my uncle owned a shop where I would keep on buying had a subscription to, uh, you know, um, shit, it's off the ropes now. It was the wrestling magazine at the time. Right. And basically, from what I was reading about the NWO and blah, 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 I ended up getting back into wrestling. Mm. And the first wrestling pay-per-view I watched after I got back into it was Survivor Series 1996 with Shawn Michaels, Jose Lothario, hitting... Um, you know, Sid hitting Shawn Michaels with the camera and mm. I needed to fill in the blanks. Right. So the reason that I picked Buried Alive 1996 was because it was the first ever mail order Coliseum video video that I ever ordered. Wow. So that's how long so you have the tape. That's how long I have that tape. And that's how long Um, basically it was it was after WrestleMania 13 that we got the WWF magazine with the order off page 
mm. and I got my mom to fill out the the page and then waited for weeks because I didn't think it was actually turn up. Right. And she had to actually literally write a check, no put way. it in the envelope and send it off. Wow. So there was a little bit of emotional gravitas to doing this paper. ridiculously weird, but very, very good pay-per-view. So this, I, so I you could say, say Colin, this show you're, was... You're... Go on. Go ahead, Mike. I was, was going to say, Colin, you're 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 very handsome, very handsome, very uh, uh, affable man. But <laughs> for some reason, every time you say a mail order, I keep expecting you to say a bride. Well, listen, <laughs> you've obviously met Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, the annoying little gay that follows me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your first go on the podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this show has been 23 years in the making, it seems like. That's it. That's <laughs> 23 hours in the reviewing. <laughs> so we are going to leave it there at a, at a nice tight two and nearly three hours. Uh, <laughs> So I want to thank you two for being on the show for for uh, putting up with our nonsense. Uh, you're you're both more than welcome anytime you want to come on the show. Uh, just let us know what what you want to pick. Um, how can the good folks find you, and what would you like to plug before we finish up? Uh, we're sell games everywhere. Specifically, the handles on Instagram uh, is at sellgames.mp3. It's underscore mp3 on Twitter because you can't have a full stop in your handle. Um, we're on YouTube as well. When this is on, yeah, this part's only going to be on the podcast. podcast. Anyway, so when this, when yeah. the podcast is out, um, there will be a guitar playthrough on our YouTube of Here's to Your Bones. Here's to Your Bones is on Spotify. Um, there will be new things later in the year as well. Fantastic. But we're not we're not plugging those yet because they're not ready. <laughs> but when they are ready, we will plug them on Instagram where you can follow us. And do you have an individual Twitter for the band, or is it just uh, Facebook and the uh, other non-Twitter? The on Facebook, and then the, the band Twitter is Cellgames underscore MP3. Excellent. And Excellent. I'm there myself as well, uh, talking about the band on my own Twitter as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, job. what's your what's your Twitter account? Your personal one, Tristan? Uh, it's just Tristan M. Carroll. And what would you call, folks? Um, I am. Just a regular podcasty person. We have a very <laughs> we have a very popular podcast called Murder Most Irish, which is one of the biggest true crime podcast uh, shows in the country. So uh, please do log on to www.instagram forward slash Murder Most Irish and please buy our tickets for night three of our sold out two nights in the Sugar Club. Uh, we do wrestling uh, related stuff on our Instagram. So our, our on our Patreon. Sorry, I'm very, very drunk. Hi, how are you? My name is Colin and uh, I'm the producer of a podcast called Murder Most Irish and also say, a member pe- of the so band Cell Games. People who aren't uh, <laughs> people who are like listening to this, like Yeah. We're we're on a Skype call. So we're, we're watching this, and I gotta say, Colin has been impressively powering through a bottle of vodka. I have been <laughs> like really, like this is how much I've been impressed. He's been, he's a bottle been of vodka. like, and not to 
not to show off, but <laughs> but uh, Colin has been. And God bless you. Given that Solid bottle of vodka, the, the Vader business. <laughs> this is it. It's yeah. a very, very tactfully trying to pour it into this glass all this time. Colin, anyway. Colin looked at that bottle of vodka and said, I drank another bottle of vodka last Friday and I haven't washed my gear since then. <laughs> this is it. It's interesting because I don't drink at the Cell Games gigs because Tristan and his girlfriend give me the side eye. So I can only drink on things like this. But uh, I actually do work for a podcast called Murder Most Irish. I'm the producer. And we do have a Patreon where we cover. Have you, have you done the Dino Bravo things. murder? We haven't done. It's weird that you should say that because the Dino Bravo murder is on the next run of the month Patreon. So we've done oh, Jimmy Snuka. We've done uh, a talk about Chris Candido and Sonny's latest um Dark Side of the Ring episode, and we started off this whole crack with the Chris Benoit slash woman thing that yeah. happened. So, yeah. uh, yes, a Murder Most Irish, and we do cover a lot of wrestling-related topics. Well, go. definitely go over, check that out. I'm actually going to subscribe to that because it sounds rad. And, uh, yeah, Cell Games, they're a phenomenal band, fantastic lads. And uh, yeah, you find us here. We'll be back next week. Martin, I don't know what we're going to cover. It's going to, oh yeah, we'll probably finally finish. Uh, Dara, I know you don't want to, but I'm going to hold you down and we're going to watch the final Cyber Sunday. We are, we are. We're, so that's going to be next because, week. And Because if we don't, it's never going to end. <laughs> Folks, I do have to ask you something. Are Go you on. guys going to AEW in London? You are so drunk. I just told you earlier that I cannot wait to go. I, I okay. Do you know? Do you know how much I can't wait to go? He has My two girlfriend. I have, I have two tickets. For, two tickets. Just for me. Uh, although I, I keep offering one to Dara, trying to entice him mm. to come. But this is a much I can't wait to go. So I've got the. Even though I live in a particularly loyalist area of Belfast, I have a big Irish flag in my in my window. I keep Brave. the curtains closed, um, and I've got my girlfriend who's a wee bit arty. And what she's doing is so there's obviously the Irish flag is green, white, and orange. So it's green, white, and on the orange part, she's doing this awesome stencil outline of a uh, orange Cassidy. So hold on a minute, Martin. Hold on. Hold I'll, be on hold, I'll be holding that. Hold up on. The, no, hold on. The, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What's this? We agreed on this last week that we were all going to have mail for Sam. Oh, on the other side of it's going to have mail for Sam. Because none of us are from mail, and it's funnier <laughs> that way. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going. We're going to. We're going to confound and confuse the English with a huge <laughs> sign that just says "mail for Sam." I go in both dressed as Orange Cassidy, so you oh. have to. Uh, because obviously I'm a Jim Carnett guy, but I'm a Jim Carnett guy who fucking loves Orange Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> so we must meet up at Lindsay oh. and do a and do a wee um, drop in for the podcast at some stage. I think that's the most. I think I have 100%. to go now, Martin. I think I have to go now. Hundred percent. Yeah. So there we go. You twisted my arm. You twisted my arm. I have to go now. Twisted <laughs> your arm. <laughs> but yeah, we're. Definitely going to be there. So absolutely, awesome. let's do a let's, let's do, do a kind of an impromptu over over over. Do you know what before over Skype a, after 
<laughs> in the same room. <laughs> After the event, it's probably going to be a nightmare trying to get everywhere. But if we meet up before into a pub, rally a pint. Yes. There we talk go. shit. Well up for that. Because you want to know something funny. And right for all your listeners who are struggling to get hotels for AEW, buy yourself an ABBA hotel plus plus screening of Whoa! ABBA Voyage tickets because they're all available and the ABBA wrestling crossover is very, very small. <laughs> so if you want what a fucking scoop! Uh, if you're like, oh... I'm buying my ticket too late and I want to get to go to the thing. Just go to abavoyage.com forward slash hotel packages. <laughs> what a fucking scoop. That's what <laughs> Lads, there we go. This, this is why you pay us our X Pac Euro. Our X Pac Euro, exactly. Or our, exactly. our Virgil Tenor or our Epsom Salt Widow Fiver. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, folks, on that note, on that note, we're going to wrap up again. Uh, we'll be back next week here on the wrestlingrewind.com. Go check out Cell Games. Go check out the lads. Go check out the Crime Podcast. Give them all the money. We'll be back next week. Talk to there, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.